was the wrong one. That was the wrong one. Looking for the right one. Pro podcasting there, <laughs> way. Know it. Or pro YouTubing, podcasting, whatever. Anyway, welcome to Biggest Geekus. We are your hosts. I am Joe. And I'm Randy. This is episode 82 of our podcast. And, well, we should probably edit that slightly. Anyway, okay. of the show is probably what we should call it. Since oh, it's the show. The show. Show of shows. Show, yeah. Eric Tinker had a fun time doing that. He kept saying, "Remember early on when he was switching to YouTube stuff? He was like podcast show, whatever cast cast." Yeah, yeah. So. The date is April fifth, twenty twenty two. Yes, it is, sir. So, yeah, we played. We did. That's right. Saturday. Saturday. Face to face, none of that nah. internet crapola. No, we don't roll like that. No, we like it face to face, in person. <laughs> right in your face. <laughs> in your face. In your face, dude. In, or 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 as or as Jackie Chan would put it, in the face. Shadow and Son caught a little typo. Looks like we got monster masked as the title instead of we probably do. Let me see. That's okay, man. Yes. Yes, Shadow. You're in correct. the um, in the YouTube description. It's not the thumbnail is good. Oh, okay. So yes. uh, let's see. Let me see here. Where is it at? I must fix. I must fix. Fix it. Hey, man. Yes, there it is. I see. I see. So in the title, it's masked or was. But in the description, it was correct. So, right. and in the thumbnail. So, you know, two out of three ain't bad. No, just just ask uh, Meatloaf. Yeah. yeah. But I'm bum. But I'm bum. All right. So, um, we played more. Earth Dawn session two. Earth Dawn is. Uh, is he here? Is he here? Is he here? I don't no, know. I don't <laughs> is he here? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, um, it does not look like we are being joined. By Legion of Myth yet. That's okay. But we enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was fun. I like the fact that um, I could not heal myself ever. So <laughs> say that again. I, that's a lie. I did heal myself some, but um, it was not. Uh, it's hard, huh? Yeah, it's hard, dude. When you start taking wounds, it's a yeah. I see. How I could become the death spiral. Yeah, um, there are there are more steps to go through. Uh, there's no typical cleric, uh, though. You know, with the old school game, yeah, there was a, a delay to healing because uh, the first level cleric didn't have any spells, yep. or any facility to heal any more than anyone else, and uh, 
you're lucky to get a potion, especially playing with this dude here. Oh, potions are for the weak, dude. You don't need those. Yeah, yeah. Weak potion, boy. So when folks on the interwebs say, you can play D&D with one hit point, I say, no, you're high. (laughs) Play (laughs) D&D. Sure, you can play as in hide behind everybody else and, you know, use harsh language, maybe. That's about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was fun. Uh, Actually, there was lots of um, slow healing (laughs) on Saturday. We got funk, man. Yeah, yeah. Life got got smashed. Um, uh, Was our buddy Greg got hurt a little bit? I don't know if you took any damage, or or Jeffrey the wizard, but um, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is a foreshadowing of the future of our main topic. But yes, Darth, very much so. You can do almost anything with undead since the rules that apply to living creatures don't apply. Yeah, that brings up some ideas of how I used to do undead. Yeah, Uh, biological, environmental. You can have skeletons just um, in the water waiting for you. You know, you can do it even if you're not a biologist or an environmentalist. Correct. Because, (laughs) yeah, we can, I think we can, you know, we might be going out on a limb, but we can correctly identify some environmental features that humans (laughs) have a hard time existing in that skeletons and other certain, uh, but corporeal undead would. Now, uh, it wouldn't be like fire or acid because, of course, what, uh, it's, mm-hmm. they're still organic creatures to a degree, and they will dissolve or burn very well. But uh, there are other places where, you know, vacuum of space and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, you're out in space fixing, you know, the stuff outside like you do because yeah. you're in space and you always have to go outside your ship to fix stuff. Yeah. In every space movie, that's what you do. Therefore, in every adventure. Right. I mean, not in like Star Wars, but Star Trek and any sp- any show that depicts spa- um, like uh, current day space travel kind of things or, yep. near, or uh, near future. Sure. They're outside fixing stuff. Hmm. Some skeletons walk up next to you. That'd be scary. Float next to you, maybe. Or float. Or they, you know, they can walk be walking alongside your, your ship. That's true. That's true. That's true. Who says you can't have undead in uh, science fiction? No one hears you scream out in space. No, not even the skeletons. Mm-hmm. They don't have ears. No ears. Yeah. But uh, we faced, uh, we did face undead-like opponents. We did cadaver men. Cadaver men and some, uh, I don't, the spirit. Yeah. And, um, were they, they some kind of spirit um, creatures? Yeah. Um, don't know what they are because we're they new to the game. They were horribly tough. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Didn't help us, me being at minus two or three. Heck, at one time, when I got feared by one of those dudes, I was at minus ten to every action. So. Yeah, you were like whiffing almost the whole night. Sweet negative rolls. It was awesome. I think until we, I think you were okay before that, but then we didn't really. I think we only fought a few cadaver men at the very beginning, and then we went inside the the. Um, no, we didn't go inside. They came out. Yes, There's they came a, out. A vault we were, that we were like, I don't know if we should go in or not. You know, where they had dug too deep, and there was a vault there, and we were thinking it might we be too greedy and too deep. Yeah, we're thinking it might be a care, but we're not sure. So. A corrupted one for sure. Or shewers. 
But yeah. Dead Space. I feel like I've not seen that. That sounds familiar, though. Is that a movie? That sounds familiar. I'm not. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But there's that in uh, Event Horizon, where they didn't really depict the bad guys. It was all kind of in the corner of your eye kind of stuff, which was really. I thought it was a decent movie. I usually. I'm usually not. Um, I'm not into horror movies, but it was all right. Oh, video game. Dude, check out uh, the video game. Check out uh, Martinson and Shauner suggestions. They're pretty pretty nasty starting at the high end, dude. Undead, Undead. Space Dragons. Dude, Shauner, yeah. Undead Space Dragons? I mean, that's game over, man. Great. Well, look at one up, man. Martinson. What about Undead Xenomorphs? Now oh. you're no, no, you're not even having a game. I mean, that's <laughs> just... Yeah, that's, that's, one, that's one round of doom. Yeah, yeah. They're already bad enough. Mm-hmm. Yes, Powder Puff Nerd. Event Horizon was good and scary. Yeah, agreed. I like that one. So, yeah, we, fun was had by all. Um, yeah. Still uh, getting to know the system. Yeah, I think I was rolling the wrong dice several times, and I finally checked myself halfway through. I think complex dice mechanics, um, while you're learning them, they're, they're, they're a bit of a problem. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, because they're complex. And if you don't know them very well, you're going to miss things um, like, you know, the right dice to roll. And whether the minus one is for this particular system, uh, is it minus one step or is it minus one to your roll? So right. you I, mean, I think a lot of times penalties are meant to be steps. That mm-hmm. would be more consistent. The penalties are more steps. They have some others, though, but I think that's that's true. Like one of my wounds were minus one. To my role, which was bad enough. Yeah. Undead Draco Liches. Well, that's a little it's a little redundant. Are they, or or double negative, are they living dragons? Ooh. Undead, un undead dragons. Oh, Darth is ahead of us. Yes, he is. That's kind of redundant. Which implies undead. Yes, it does. But maybe what? maybe he's just emphasizing the I think undead part. I think Baron's he's he's fun in us. He's having a fun. Yeah. Oh, Duncan Bradley's got a movie. I've never seen that one. The Dig by Lucas Arts. Can you see that? It's a little before uh, Baron G Rocks. Yeah. Lucas Arts in the nineties. I've never seen that one. So. No, like, I never even. I don't even remember hearing about that. They dig too deep, Duncan. Is that what it's about? They dug up something bad. I like those kind of movies. Those are good. All right. Yeah, it's a warning. We shouldn't always be interested in digging up the past. You never know what you're gonna. You never. You don't ever know what you're gonna get. Dude, look at Shadow's son predicting our content. Don't, don't just just put it on the screen. I don't want to tell the podcast people. Oh, one up in the dark. One up. Look, look at what he says. I really like ghouls, gas, and whites, fast, scary, cunning as hell, while still being lower level monsters. I blum 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 blank blank. Not saying it. <laughs> he is inside our melons. <laughs> All right, we'll have to. Um... Have him clarify a little bit. No, oh, he's kind of thinking what we're thinking. No, but the the part you you omitted on purpose is a little unclear. Oh, right. I I think it's, three, I, I do hate 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 right. hate. I, I, that I, makes that makes it make much sense. I have lots of. Uh... Oh, the dig is a video game, says Duncan. It is not. It is not a movie. Okay. You're not but teeth all day. You get up and close, up close and personal with people's face holes. I think he might be into the dentistry, perhaps. Maybe. 
Maybe. You're forgiven, Shadow and Sun. It's it's fair to predict us. We're nothing if not mostly predictable. Most mostly. Mostly. They mostly come at night. Mostly. mostly. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it with our call-ins. Yeah. Well, singular. We have one call-in. Good enough. I like plural. I like singular. Let's see here. Let's go there. Joe's working his techno magic. It's just too, it's just a lot of clicks. While we're waiting, look around here. I have completely pulled up the carpet. I don't know if you can see it with my big head in the way. The carpet uh -huh. on the, that's not, that's not good. That's the floorboard underneath in this room. I'm going to be doing a little painting of it, the kills paint. And then I'm going to do a little, uh, a rug placement so things are looking good in the old dm slash office space good deal all right here we go oh um i have to redo it oh, i forgot to click the audio crap <laughs> you sound like you don't like all that clicking you have to do it's a pain in the keister clicking keisterness too many clicks Big John, my man. Hey there, guys. It's John and Hannah from the Red Dice Diaries. Hi. Uh, we're just calling in to say we've been enjoying your Monster Mash episode, and we're both really pleased to hear that we'd inspired you with our own monster episodes. Uh, and I might be stealing your top 10 monsters idea. That's a really good one. Yeah, so mm -hmm. there we go. We're going to take, you've been taking influence from us. We're going to take some influence back from your ideas. It's like influence section. Really looking forward to hearing what you guys do with your monster episodes. It's always great to hear like new ideas about what people like about monsters and what they don't like. And we're hoping to do some more of that stuff ourselves in the future. But yeah, no worries about that, guys. Looking forward to hearing your monster episodes in the future. Take care and keep up the good work, and we'll catch you soon. Bye. All right. Got Hannah on there. That's sweet. Good to hear from John and Hannah. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. It's good to, you know, the, what is it? Uh, was it called? Uh, not the, what's the statement when you, uh, sincerest form of flattery is not plagiarism, but there's some kind of statement when someone kind of rips Imitation. Off. Imitation. Yeah, there you go. Imitation is the serious, sincerest form of flattery. So, yeah, our top 10, we got a we got a rough idea. I don't know. You, you didn't get a poll up yet, did you, Joe? I did not. Okay, we'll probably do something. We'll talk about that later on, but that sounds good. Well, we might as well wait till we have a few monsters in the can before we do a poll. We can also uh, we can also try to encourage some interaction here and and ask yeah. our our captive audience yes. who must do what we, what we say or else um, what they think about um, top 10 monsters that they use as DMs or, or their favorites as players either way. Sure. sure. And, and we're kind of this first one, and I don't know how we'll, we'll do this fully, but we get to it. Uh, we're going to study the, we're going to look at the corporeal undead today. Um, that means we'll probably do the incorporeal eventually, but I don't see us doing these one right after the other. In fact, next, next week I'm envisioning us revisiting a hot topic that Joe and I is near and dear to our hearts, uh, high level play. So I'm kind of pumped about that one. So we'll, we'll do these from time to time and hopefully we can get them all. We're hoping to do a poll. Maybe we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Um, Darth, uh, are you guys going to be going over each monster type or most of them? We're just going to be hitting the ones we like. Although, although, mm -hmm. if there's enough interest in a particular 
uh, monster or monster type, and there's enough people saying, yeah, why don't you guys do this? We will be happy to. Yep. We want to be of use. Yes. And um, slobs. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, speaking yeah. of that, can I make a comment here? Another thing I've done. No. I'm, I'm making no. a comment. And I'm no. putting out, it's going to be on video because I broke 300 pounds, dude. I'm pissed off. Oh, yeah. boy. I don't mind being biggest, but I hate being super fattest. So Randy started his diet, uh, doing 2,000-ish calorie. Uh, still hitting the gym, but I'm, I'm making a significant – I'm, you know, done with any kind of soda diet or otherwise. I'm putting myself – on video saying it, so I'm committed. This time next year, I want to be 60 pounds lighter, if not more. I'm not taking diet pills, doing nothing stupid, but I know I can do that in a year. I can lose 60 pounds for sure. It's a matter of changing. Uh, this is someone who's overweight too. Dude, but it's really just a matter of uh, picking your lifestyle yeah. and living that. So, so that's it. Yeah, you don't have to do anything fancy or no. whatever. However, some keys are dropping as many carbs as you possibly can. Ah, yes, I know. And I do love carbs. I did pretty good today except for the spaghetti. That's carbs. Yeah. All right. Oh, Powder Puff. I have a t-shirt. I had a t-shirt that said that, Powder Puff nerd. Look at that. Bigger people are harder to kidnap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What are you drinking? Just the hard stuff. Tea, baby. Tea with a uh, little bit of like... Uh, little caffeine but mostly the non-caffeinated like uh, what's it called herbal tea crap so and is that is that what it's called on the box herbal tea crap yeah i look for that one because i didn't have time to figure any kind of good tea uh, is that one of those yeah. monkey poop things like the coffee <laughs> the monkey poop coffee yeah mm. martin's and that's what i should do he's right see what he said oh there you go um martinson says at randy just identify as a smaller person and you're all yeah. good I'm going to identify as a 6'2", 220-pound guy. There you go. That's problem solved. Problem solved. Um, Where's the donuts? um, (laughs) Powderpuff Nerds asks asks to do a poll. Yes. And Yes. Well, that's the plan. I just haven't done it yet. It'll be a little bit down the way because we want to get a few monsters under our belt. And then you, um, or maybe not. Maybe Joe will just do it and keep it running total. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I can put up a poll and say what, what monsters because, you know, we like to tell people what to do, we which do. is why we just come up with the monsters and you guys have to live with it. And you love it. But we are open to suggestions. Yeah. Just don't make them too forcefully because we will faint. Yeah. I'll get scared. Yeah. No, but yeah, we're going to put up a poll, a poll and of some uh, sort. Yes. Of some sort. Y'all want to have to talk about it. So, all right. All right. So next on the agenda, yep. which Randy, for some reason, had to print because he loves killing them trees softly with his printer. I do. I'm I'm a very soft murderer. Um, is uh, Paizo is about to is it, uh, has put out? It's out, it's up for sale, right? I saw no, the. Uh, is it for sale already? I think you can. Isn't it pre-order? Let me see. Let me see. You're going to put it on the screen. Pre-order, yeah. It's, it's not up until yeah. October. I'll put it up here. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, do the sherry thing here. Share, share, share. Domination vault. We want you to read small type on the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Let me see if I can zoom. Zoom. Oh, that's the wrong way. 
There you go. There we go. Not bad. All right. All right. So there's probably a keyboard shortcut. I just don't know what it is. That's okay. Probably Control Plus. That's probably shortcuts are for the weak. (laughs) That's it. Minus and plus. plus. Go a long way. All right. Anyway, we've got uh, up on the screen here for you folks out in Audio Land who are just, uh, I'm sure, riveted by our (laughs) commentary and my clicking. Um, There's an adventure path that Paizo is. I think this was uh, um, a Pathfinder adventure path, and they've made it. One of their early 2E ones, and it goes levels 1 to 10. Your favorite stops early. And uh, stops but it's early. Like, well, it was only three. Uh, and back in the 1E ga- days, I have a butt ton back here of adventure, adventure paths of Paizo. They would do six adventure paths, six really thick modules. And you would go from level one to about 15 or 16, which is kind of annoying. Uh, but um, now they, they also, they did this one in three, apparently. I did a little research. They did this uh, uh, abomination ball. It's more of a big mega dungeon. And uh, I, th- I think, don't hold me to it. And um, I'm holding you. Okay. And then they're converting it to 5E. So now Paizo has converted Rise of the Rune Lords to Savage Worlds, which I should be getting sometime this summer. And they've converted, they're converting another one of the other ones to 5e. What do you think of this move, Joseph? Any thoughts? I think it's very smart for them to do this so they can have money. Agreed. Money, money. It's money, which is fine. I mean, yeah, don't blame they're going to sell. I'm sure they will. Lots of people like Pathfinder. Hey. And, lots, so, and a lot of people like 5e, so it will sell. Yep. Um, we shall see, though. It's possible that it might not. But what, what's more interesting to me than whether or not this is a good financial strategy for Paizo, which it probably is, is the content warning. Because yeah. this was made back in the day. So so it has themes that are just problematic. Oh. Uh, presents themes of suicide, ableism. Body horror and human experimentation. So, uh, so what? Yeah, I mean, I think it's good that you tell people, like you know, hey, this is a like the body horror thing is important, ableism, whatever. But to put warnings on your books, I think are fine for people that don't like you don't want your kids to buy books that are you know sexually graphic. All D and D heroes are. Able, <laughs> you know, adventurers are able, capable folks. Ableism, I mean, come on, it's I stupid. It's, it's stupid. Agreed. They have to have. I mean, this dude, Paizo's super woke. Now, I'll be fair to him, dude. I love their APs. I think their APs, at least in the one A days, the one that I had, were ten times better than anything Watsy's ever put out, as far as. As far as as far oh as, yeah yeah they're, it's, as it's as their body. forte yeah it, yeah their forte it was strong yeah um, some people were making comments like maybe Paizo is getting ready to go out of business so they're going to convert completely to five E I don't think so I think they got enough fans to keep this going and they've already done a Savage Worlds thing I think they're just being smart dude they're diversifying five E no matter whether you like it or not is the king of the hill. There are no challengers. Um, so yeah, dude, make them. I mean, I don't blame them for that. Do it. And so, they can. And dude, I mean, they strong. have a lot of, they have, they have a staff, they can pump this thing out and it's not like they already had the material. Yeah. All it didn't really probably take all that much 
uh, doing to um, to no. switch it over. No. Very little. I mean, well, compared to taking a product from right, creating a new one from scratch. Yeah. It, this, yeah. This was uh, easy money for them, for sure. One, thing, one argument, I, and I'm not a designer, not really, so I'd love to know. Is it hard if, like, imagine I'm a designer. I've been playing Pathfinder 2 or 1. What made both of them forever? And I've never played 5e. And then they, Eric Mona drops this in my lap. I'm like, yeah, I can convert it, but I got to go learn 5e. You know, so that could be a little bit of extra work, you know. Whereas if it's a convert to 1e or 3 5, you're like, yeah, I know that game. You know, yeah, but most of the monsters translate over. Mm hmm. Pretty much um, just well, straight across. They're D&D-ish monsters. Well, yeah. yeah. Goblins have always been low-level challenges. Cobalt's mm -hmm. uh, the same, whether they're dragon-aspected or what were they, dogmen before? Dogmen originally, an OD&D in first edition, second edition. Then they, I think maybe second, they started becoming more more dra draconic-related. Mm. So, yeah. Um, it would, it's, it's not that hard. I, I don't know what kind of monsters are in this. So... Um, if it's only three adventures, that probably doesn't go very high, 10th or 12th level, probably. Uh, first to 10th, I think they said. First to 10th. So they're, they're not using anything particularly complicated. No, no. And I played a 5e campaign, from, ran a 5e campaign from 1 to 10, and the game works pretty well. I mean, it's, you know, like I said before, it's, it's levels 1 to 3 are a little dicey. 4, 5, and 6 are pretty safe. Past 5 or 6, you're safe. Yeah. Right, Darth. It's smart. Uh, selling material to as many players as possible, it may draw some new players to your system. Do it, man. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah. All right. So smart, but and not uh, unexpected, really. Now, here's something that's not terribly smart. Our next little lanky poo. Let me, let me drag that back up there. Yeah, so... Yes. In Immortal X-Men 1, uh, Marvel is uh, not so subtly implying, more or less saying, that Jesus Christ is a mutant. Now, look, I'm a Christian, make no, bo no bones about it. I'm not, like, deeply offended by this. I am not angry. I think it's stupid, and I think it's very, uh, what's the word, double standardy. Why don't you do that with Muhammad? Why don't you do it with Vishnu? Why don't you do it with some Jewish Abraham? You know, they won't attack other faiths, but it seems like they're very comfortable. Attack's a strong word. They won't make fun of or uh, be sacrilegious to other faiths. But they're more than happy to do the Christianity. Yeah, it's the politically correct and expedient thing to do. The, the, the thing is, what happens here is, um, let me see if that will... Yeah, this this chick here, the redhead, she's a leader of a group called the Five, um, and that's Exodus, the villain, who is now kind of a friend of the X Men. But he he refers to Jesus as the Nazarene mutant. Yes, and um, the the character is Catholic, according to him. Yes, Catholicish. But someone who's a believer, yep, isn't going to believe that Jesus was a mutant. No. Because believing in Jesus means you believe he is God. Yeah. And and it's funny, they talk about, well, you know, you've done more than him. You raised five people. She apparently, her and this group called the Five, are able to bring mutants back from the House of M debacle or whatever killed all the mutants in some storyline. And she brought a lot of them back. 
and you've resurrected more than he did. Him resurrecting people is not the key to Jesus. That's just an illustration of his power, not to get too religious oriented, but the fact that he came back from the dead himself and was a propitiation for sins, that's the key for the Christian faith. Uh, But hey, you're right, and that he's God. I mean, if you deny that he's God, you're... I think the other, only other conclusion you can make is that he's a he's crazy dude. I mean, if you, if you don't think he's God, then he's a lunatic who claimed he was God, no matter right. how, how good. I think that's a C.S. Lewis quote or some variant of his quote. Right, right. Because yeah, but uh, right, it's just weird. Why, yeah. But but so so, considering how many times in modern day, comic book writer, well writers or the artists, maybe both, or one or the other, I don't know. They insert themselves into their comics one yeah. way or another. Yeah. And uh, so maybe he's not or she's not inserting uh, him or herself directly, but maybe the the, the beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of that's going on. Yeah. And maybe this is that, or maybe they're just saying, this is a crazy evil dude who thinks Jesus was a mutant. That might, that might be, uh, because there's not been any other stuff. The, the articles that we've seen just refer to these panels. Yes. And so it's possible that they are telling us Jesus isn't God, was just a mutant. Right. Uh, through comic books. Right. Or they're just, they're displaying this dude as a bit, um, of a nut bag. Yeah. And, and if he's a nut bag, okay. And if he's not, and they're telling him Jesus has got, you know, you have your right to your opinion. That's okay. Now, I can't, I can't dissuade you. And I've learned over the many years, you can't logic person, someone into becoming a believer. Right. But, um, you, uh, and by that, I mean, it doesn't matter what, what amount of logic or, or examples you give though. You can't prove you exist. Whatever. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but it's boring too. It's boring too. I mean, yeah, Jesus just was a mutant. That's all. Yeah, yawn. Nothing but, special. But in the end, it's at least it's not like I don't read a lot of super woke crap, but I do see a lot of cowardice. Next right. thing I want to see is I want to see them jab Muhammad, right? His nutsack. That's but they're not going to. No, they won't. I mean, um, they will respect the Muslims' uh, sensibilities with not mentioning Muhammad in comic books because no. that's a big no-no. They will mention Islam and someone being a Muslim, but I don't think that they will talk too much about Muhammad himself. And they certainly won't have any drawings of him because that no. will drive them crazy because you, according to them, you're not supposed to do that. But And they didn't do that here with Jesus either. But, but you could. Uh, but you could. But as a Christian, I'm not going to like come cut your head off because you... No. If There's did, no prohibition. If you did something hideous like drew Jesus in a dress, put him in drag, and put him on a stripper pole. Yeah, I think it's sacrilegious, and I would have no, no, uh, I would be probably pretty upset with that, but I wouldn't be like one to cut your head off, you know. Uh, I'm not too fond of you making fun of my, of my Lord, but hey, you do what you want, you know, so. Yeah. Yes, Addo. Um, if, drew, if they drew Muhammad, they would get firebombed. Yes, they would, because that's what, that's what's happened in the past. Charlie Hebdo. Um, and Tim, yes, when South Park attempted to be sacrilegious toward Islam, they got censored, much to the disappointment of the creators. They got death threats and refused to remove it. But Comedy Central did. Dude, you can say what you want about South Park. Those dudes aren't afraid of nothing. Right. 
and I, and I actually respect them, even though they've made fun of all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, Christian stuff and, and other things, but they're not afraid. <laughs> yeah. And um, which one? Uh, it's not South Park. Maybe it was. Um, what's the one with uh, Family Guy? Family I think guy. it's Family Guy. Yeah. It's either Family Guy or The Simpsons, where they have, whenever once in a while, they'll have Jesus show up. Yeah. And he'll be this really short um, Middle Eastern dude. And people will say all this. The, he he basically walked out while they were trying to say what he looked like. He was like, no, I'm pretty much a short dude because that's what we were back then or whatever. But nobody got, nobody lost their lunch over it. Not in any real I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there are some folks who probably wrote in and said bad things. To oh, them. yeah. But it didn't, it didn't amount to much. Yeah. Family. Well, in the end, here's the thing. I mean, uh, people forget to get mad. Well, Christian, I've seen Christians do this. Of course you have. Because Christians, like everybody else, they're fallen. Yeah. They're fallen people. We're not perfect. And right. some of us are much less perfect than others. Right. <laughs> I'll include myself in that. Right. Oh. So, yeah, if we were, but here's the thing. If you depict somebody of one of the protected classes yeah. as lesser, yeah. you're an istophobe. Whatever. But if they, if they, if they denigrate Jesus, which that's really what they're doing. Sure they are. Whether they know it or not, right. you know, saying he was just a mutant and nothing special. I, correct. Um, is doing that. Yes. And, uh, but, you know, they'll get away with it. They'll, oh, that was that was cool. Their their buddies will say, "Yeah, ha ha, Jesus is a mutant." Mm -hmm. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? But in the end, I think we're probably making too much of it already. I just wanted to point that out that it's you know, it's the hypocrisy that bothers me is all. So, but that's but that's them. It's not it's nothing to be surprised about. No, 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 not shocking. Yeah. Plus, they don't know how to tell good stories. Uh, fact. So, with that said. Uh, are we ready to go on to the main topic? Yeah, let's jump into some discussion of corporeal undead. Yes. So we have a definition. Mm -hmm. Now you have tood here, right? I, I kind of in, in the second one, though I have a link to it. One of them is just a Wikipedia uh, page, and they talk about it in in, in vagaries. But I I kind of like well, the second. I'll, which I'll, I, I will go ahead and read the Wikipedia, yeah, so ahead. we can compare. Yeah, sure. The Wikipedia entry says the undead are beings of mythology are beings in mythology, legend, or fiction that are deceased but behave as if... Uh, no, I think this is um, the same. Uh, most commonly uh, behave as if they were alive. Um, no, it's slightly different. Most yeah. commonly the term refers to corporeal forms of formerly alive humans, such as mummies, vampires, and zombies, who have been reanimated by supernatural means, technology, or disease. In some cases, for example, in Dungeons and Dragons, the term also includes incorporeal forms of the undead, such as ghosts. The undead are featured in belief systems of most cultures and appear in many works of fantasy and horror fiction. The term is also occasionally used for real-life attempts to resurrect the dead with science and technology from early experiments like Robert E. Cornish's to future sciences such as chemical brain preservation and cryonics. Hmm. In the second one, I didn't know that the un, the the title "Undash Dead" 
uh, was he considered that for his Dracula novel title. Um, and he says he's this one. This is the second definition because the first part of the second defi- definition is pretty much what Joe read. And then it says he might be responsible for the modern sense of the word. It does appear in English before Stoker, but with the more literal sense of alive or not dead, uh, for which citations can be found in Oxford English Dictionary. Stoker's use of the term refers only to vampires and the extension of other types of supernatural beings arose later. Most commonly, it was now taken to refer to supernatural beings, which at one time had been alive and continued to, to display some aspects of life after death. But the usage is highly variable. That's true. So Undead's a little mixed bag. Yeah. So you mean Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula? Correct. Bram. Good old. As in the first, he first used the word that's, but it was hyphenated. Right. Right. Or maybe he popularized it. It might have been in use, but he popularized it. Yeah. He he referred to Dracula as the undead, as he was the one undead guy initially, before he made others. Um, and we're going to be discussing these self-same skeletons, in particular skeletons, zombies, ghouls, ghasts, whites, vampires, liches, death knights, and mummies, mostly in a D&D context that we might touch on other games periodically, I guess we might. Yeah, Frankenstein's a, a different creature, I think, Shadow and Sun. Yep. Um, you could call him undead, perhaps. Right. And they might logically refer to him as undead, but he was he's an animated construct, really, because he was put together by pieces and parts of bodies. Well, the other thing is his pieces and parts were put together and then brought to actual life because he was a living creature. Right. um, And under his own power, uh, intelligent Mm -hmm. and self-aware. So and not rotting or anything of that nature. And uh, the only thing different from Frankenstein, Frankenstein and and humanity, apart from its his origin, is uh, he was much more physically capable, but his mind was a little bit um, evil. <laughs> he, he could he could uh, in the movies he had a bride, but he could not reproduce. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, there wasn't any of that in the book, but yeah, who knows? An option. Who knows? Yeah, it's a DM. I would say probably not. So I did a deep dive, as you notice in the notes, looking at uh, where the monsters, these different monsters appeared. I thought it was interesting that the Lich was not in OD&D initially, a Legion. Um, in fact, uh, the original OD&D books had um, ghouls, mummies, skeletons, vampires, whites, and zombies. That was it in the white books. The white books, Okay. Yeah. And Did more come out in like the other supplements? I'm going to say probably. I know the Greyhawk supplement added the Lich. Hmm. Uh, those that are more in the know might tell me if I missed something. Uh, so there literally weren't wraiths in the OD&D books. So um, that's interesting to note. Uh, do, you, do we do we know if that came from well, – we haven't gotten into the – Oh, my bad. Incorporeal. Here's incorporeal. My bad. Uh, skip oh, that's fine. I'm just saying, do we know if that came from legend or if that was something that they that they invented to uh, uh, fill out the ranks? Well, Monday? it's very interesting because I think if you look at the OD&D books, the way they describe monsters is purely in like a paragraph, a single paragraph form, and it is more of a legend. It does reek of some mythology, and then their stats are fairly uniform in a different on a different page. So they would have them. So you would read a couple pages, and they would have them description, and then you'd flip it over, and then there's a chart with all the stats for the monsters, and um, not 
a lot of variety there. I, I can't recall if they had the energy drain effect with the white or not, or vampire. It seems like they did even early on, but we're going to talk about that specifically. Um, Beck me um, did not have, um, oh, I left something out on Beck me. They, they did have the skeletons, but they didn't have the lich, not even in uh, the rule cyclopedia. Oh, okay. I didn't see the lich uh, unless I just skimmed over it. Um, that was I wonder where that comes from. You know, the lich, I, I didn't do, I decided not to do a, a deep dive simply because there's just too many of them. Too many. To do a mythological deep dive. And honestly, if you want to hear some cool deep dives on individual creatures, I would I would direct you to John and Hannah at Red Dice Diaries. They do some really good stuff with some unique monsters and they go into mm-hmm. the mythological background. Um, I was surprised that the Death Knight didn't show up to the Fiend Folio. That's where he first appeared. Oh. Um, I, I had not recalled that. Um, well, that could be because Fiend, Fiend Folio was uh, written in um, by some folks in the UK. So yeah. that might have been a UK uh, legend. True. And I, but as a, as a player, I always thought of the Death Knight as a warrior lich. He was the fighter version of the lich. Right? Yeah, he had a couple of magic powers. but Yes, he did. He could, but he not power. very many, but they were the really ones good. that he did have. <laughs> super good like yeah and yeah. yeah, they were pretty boss um ad and d actually completed all these creatures in one they had both the ghoul and the ghast uh the lich the mummy skeleton the white the vampire and the zombie um after that uh different versions of D placed the monsters in different books though i think 4e and 5e kept them all in the core book all these so these are these are iconic um 3E did a lot with variants. They had like the mummy and the mummy lord. Uh-huh. They had, what else did they have? Skeleton and 47 different. It was basically a template you could tack onto any creature, have a hill giant skeleton. They had stats for it. Um, yeah, Shadow makes a good point. The skeleton warrior, that was kind of a separate dude back in, uh, was it first or second edition? And he was like a skeleton, but he had. He had minimum, minimum like nine levels of fighter. So he was a fighter lord who was undead. He didn't have the powers of the Death Knight, but he could kick some serious butt. I know I surprised you guys sometimes. Like, oh, it's a dumb skeleton. And then he ends up <laughs> kicking your teeth. Oh, man, we got to get serious. This thing's legit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Shadow said Death Knights are undead anti-paladins. But I, I just thought it was an interesting exploration through the editions. It was funny that both... Um, AD&D 2E got them all in one book with, with some variants. Uh, 3X did a lot of variants and templates, but they didn't put they put the Death Knight in a separate book in Monster Manual 2. So we could give a nod to 2E, 4E, and 5E for putting those classic monsters all in one Monster Manual. So you have to go out and buy two books for those editions, which was... Sure, fun. sure. Although you did have to buy a new edition. Well, yeah, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't have to spend, we'll see, back in the day in second edition, what, what were the prices of the books? They were about? much lower than they are now. I mean, they felt expensive then, though, to be fair. Sure, sure. Well, the player's handbook was like $15. Yeah, and one e In one e it was 15 yeah. because it was so thin. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure the prices of the other ones, but I don't think they were that much more. Did you know in the initial release of 3E, it was only nineteen ninety five for the player's handbook? For like the first six months or a year, right, right, yeah. because they were kind of like saying, "Yeah, we want you to, we want everybody to buy it." Uh, kind of a nod for the uh, back in the day when they were cheap. Well, and, then, and, a, and a big, a big mechanical change, so it makes sense they would probably try to push it and say, "Hey, buy this because it's very different." 
Um, but um, yeah, so um, I guess as far as that goes, I think I think it was one of the reasons I picked those is those seem to be the creatures that were universally across all the editions. You know, they were in the, in the monster manual essentially from the beginning. Right. Right. Needed a couple of supplements, but I mean, there's a lot more even corporeal undead. Oh yeah. This is, oh yeah. Some of them are specific to different editions. Yeah. He just said the skeleton yeah, yeah. warrior. There's the, uh, the bone, the bone claw was a late third edition monster. There's a, uh, just a variety of creatures. The, uh, what was it? The walking corpse or the hulking corpse. And there was some, all kinds of interesting things that came out, especially for third. I, I did like the third edition templates where you can tack. Oh, I think Darth says that uh, templates for corpse creatures, skeletal creatures. You just add. Uh, yeah, you can make really, really nice. He says, I know there was a templates for corpse creature and skeletal creature. Just add anything. It did make it simple to create custom creatures. And third edition, I don't know if I would say simple, but if you wanted to follow the rules, but it was sweet to have that template there. You're like, oh, I want him to fight this werewolf. How about an undead werewolf? <laughs> I did that. I did a vampiric werewolf once in first edition. That was uh, that was one of the many ringers I did. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, are you going to fight a storm giant? How about a lich storm giant? That'd be fun. Yeah, because a common, ordinary, garden variety storm giant <laughs> isn't bad enough as it is. You got to oh, go in a vampiric template. <laughs> Correct, dude. You got to make it fun. I want your second level characters to have a challenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we would be challenged on who is going to get out of the room first. Revenants. That's interesting. Were Revenants corporeal? I think they were corporeal. Yeah. 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 So that's well, there you go. So people are listing some of the more uh, fun corporeal creatures uh, that didn't get a lot of. Oh, and the variants like the Juju zombies. I love those. Mm. Uh, Almost creepers coming out of them and stuff. That was pretty <laughs> So, yeah, that was some good times, but uh, I would say those guys are the core. Can you can you think of one? Would you put another one on the list than the ones that I listed as sort of the big? What are, what are they? There's two, four, six, eight, nine, nine big ones. I mean, the corporeals. I don't think so. A lot of the other ones are are uh, a particular edition's flavor, or got you know, got brought in under a particular edition. But those guys, I think, really are uh, the ones that. Uh, are cross editions. I mean, I know that Death they had the Death Knight and Crin, but that that wasn't the the Crin. Uh, what was his name? The big Death Knight from Crin with the seven wives or whatever. Soth. Lord Soth. Soth. Yeah. Did that the Death Knight didn't start with Lord Soth? It started before that. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Um. Yes. Um, I mean, they came no, out. No, not pretty sure, 100%. I mean, the Death Knight yeah. first found in the Fiend Folio. That was well before. Well, yeah. Because um, I don't think Dragonlance, no way Dragonlance came out in 80. Fiend Folio was like 81. So, yeah. I think Lord Soth was just a well done Death Knight. Yeah. He became the uh, Death Knight to which all other Death Knights would be compared to. So, and he eventually went to Ravenloft and got stuck there. And yeah. Or got freed. I don't know all the. I know I used him one time in a Ravenloft adventure, so that was pretty cool. So, yeah, that was just a little uh, walk down, uh, you know, historical memory lane where these creatures showed up. Um, like I said, would you add anything to that list or does that feel like? I, I don't think so. I think that's good. Okay. 
Um, next thing I want to discuss, and Joe uh, decided we'd add a little wrinkle tonight, so we'll be playing off the cuff a little bit. I want to discuss the basic and most long-enduring powers of these undead across the edition. So we may miss something. If someone notices something and says, oh, this is probably more iconic, you know, chime in. Or if I miss something for an edition, um, that, that's fine. Uh, and then we're going to try to add a wrinkle. Joe and I are going to kind of say, hey, uh, what about if we did this? So I'll, I'll start with the skeleton first. So the skeleton generally across the editions had low hit dice. Third edition broke that rule where you can make skeletal dragons and skeletal Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Um, and it took bludgeoning weapons to do the full hurtfulness to them, right? Because they had DR in third edition. They had like... What was it? Was it in first edition? That yeah, first edition. It was just half damage. Or was it which one? Arrows did one point of damage. Was that right? Uh I just read the description. Okay, didn't this say morning that. or yesterday last night. And didn't say that. No, but it was ha- it's half damage. Half damage sure. in general, yeah. So, um, besides besides that, I don't know what else would be considered um, iconic. Okay. okay, so it's not. You don't see it in their stat block. Mm-hmm. Like Darth was saying earlier, mm-hmm. they have um, peculiar characteristics from just being a, bi- a pile of bones yep. where you can use them. You can just have them waiting somewhere where there's no air or there's all full of water or or some other um, environment gas. I mean, let's yeah. say so a wizard pass um, uh, gas. Um, what's the... Stinking cloud, right? So you're in there and you're making saving throws and you're coughing and everything. And normally it's no good to cast it when there's two parties fighting, right? Because everybody's caught in it. You'll hurt your allies. But if they're va- if they're skeletons, yeah. it's not going to hurt them at all. Yeah. So. Or if you open up into a pocket of methane gas while going through a through a, a dungeon, you could just like the skeletons would be like, hey, we're good. And you guys are starting to faint and pass out making constitution or making, what was that? A dragon was constitution saves dragon breaths. No poison, maybe poison saves back in first edition. First edition was, yeah, there was a poison save. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's true. And I think that's, that's a, that's an, that's a, you know, we have to give Darth a little credit for that. That's a unique way to use them. Put them in. Like I, I, here's a good story. One of my buddies, Tony, uh, Hey, Tony, back in, uh, I think he's in Charlestown now. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he had a character that was uh, actually evil, one of the few evil characters I allowed to exist during a Planescape campaign. And he was a cleric. Uh, he was chaotic, chaotic neutral, of course. And uh, he killed these uh, uh, creatures and or humanoids, and he uh, turned them into skeletons. And then he put them, and since he wanted to go into the city, there was a, city, there was a lake outside the town. So he had the skeletons walk down into the lake and just wait for him. And that's right. where he kept them while he was in town. And they're like, yeah, there's no reason that couldn't happen. They could just right. stand there, <laughs> you know, and sink down in the mud a little bit, hold themselves down. Now, I wonder, buoyancy, I don't know the buoyancy of bones, but I, I didn't consider that. So they, sure. they'll, they're, well, it depends on how old they are. If they're old enough, they're going to be a little more porous and they might float or they might take on some of the water. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yeah. When they're in down, that was one of the coolest scenes in that first movie, um, the Curse of the Black Pearl. When they were walking underneath there, then you saw the, you saw the sunlight hit them, and you know, the, and the moonlight hit them, and then they, they turned into skeletons, and you understood why they were all jumping in the water. So right. that's cool. Um, do you have any? 
Oh, and what were you wanting us to do, Joe? I kind of was blanking. So take this creature and give an alternate something? Oh, just some uh, – it might not be any good to do it on the fly because uh, right. we're old dudes. But right. essentially, we want this to be more useful than us talking about things that a lot of people already know. Sure. So I think no, that uh, what we were just it. saying – is pretty cool with the skeletons, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You don't have to limit them to just oh, you there's a there's a graveyard and there's some skeletons. Oh, nobody could think of that. <laughs> skeletons and zombies in the graveyard. Well, let's do some other things with them, and you know, so use them in places where you wouldn't expect people to be because it would be too harsh of an environment. Uh, they would be all. You could use them all in the underground. Oh, and Darth made a good point. Look at what he said at eight twenty one. You see, it's all about armor and weapons. Uh, Almost any armor or weapons would hold um, motion, motionless. Most, maybe. Most or motionless corpses down, yeah. So corpses, whether they're zombies or uh, skeletons, would indeed be weighted down by their armor. So if you have them in chainmail and a sword, dude, they're not going anywhere. They're going right. to stay on the bottom of that water. So but that was a pretty cool move, my buddy, telling you. So I'm giving him a little props there. Um you want to describe the next creature? Yeah, this is zombie, right? Yep. Um, generally low hit dice, just like the the uh, skeletons, though they're one tick up on the ladder, one mm -hmm. rung up. Uh, but they move slow and um, slashing weapons to hurt, although that was not until, I think, third edition, maybe second. First edition, yeah. they didn't take any um, less damage from any weapon. Really? I was looking at I was looking at both of them because I couldn't remember when both the skeleton and the zombie because I couldn't remember when that started. Yeah, I remember I remember an old illustration of a, a skeleton where it was supposed to be like a cone of cold, mm -hmm. cold, cold ray or something at the skeleton, and and um, it redirected it back at the caster. Oh wow! But we were all like, "Where does that come from?" But yeah. don't know. Well, I I do think you could add a wrinkle to well, I'll talk about it in a minute. I have some yeah. ideas on, on zombies. Right, but, but for a zombie, I mean that them moving slow is significant. I know in third edition they yeah. they always went last. Went last, yeah. Yeah. And I think Because they, they were depicted as the slow moving zombie things. And they could either move or attack. They couldn't do both. Right. That was so I don't think that was this, the case in second or first edition. I'm not sure about second. I don't have that monster manual. Yeah, but uh, they were considered like they moved at half speed or something. Yeah, so they basically they just had they were a little bit more meaty skeletons, really. Yeah, and, they can be used in similar fashion. Of course, they have the George Romero effect. Everybody thinks about a giant pack of zombies, um, you know, hordes of zombies coming through. That's a yeah terrifying trope. But that zombie, the zombies that they're in the that are in the movies are not the zombies that are in the D and D game. Generally, no. Because those zombies in the movies can all spread their zombiness to other people. Yep. You get killed by a zombie, you become a zombie. Or with some, depends on what um, IP it is. Um, what's the one? The Walking Dead. Walking Dead, yeah. where they didn't necessarily become zombies because they were killed by zombies. It was because right. everybody has a virus. Yeah. And as soon as you die, it takes over. Yeah, Cal said it. Cal said it depends if they're infectious. Now, 
our, our buddy at RDD, Red Dice Diary, John had a sweet little uh, episode this past week where he talked about that, how you can make that a thing in D&D. I think that sure. would be fun to have zombies that can infect you. And if you take actual hit point damage, that could that could or give him a little. He said maybe not just hit point damage because you know hit point damage would be the zombie clubbing you with their fist, but if they manage to bite you, um, and you could say, you know, maybe every other attack a roll a roll of d six one two one two three they actually bite this time, and then you make a con save or some kind of saving throw, and perhaps you get infected. You know, and you have so many days to to get some sort of help, or you will turn into a, a zombie. right. There's a lot of ways to do that, and. Uh... That would be one way to make them a little more deadly. However, I, I think we have, um, I know you have the white and vampire next in the list of describing. Yeah. We should probably put ghoul and ghast next because. Sure, power, power, power wise. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll do but ghoul the, and ghast. Yeah, but just a, just a. Oh, sure. The ghoul. Yeah. Is more what these movie zomb- zombies are. Because they eat people, yes. They eat people and spread. Yeah. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, the ghoul in D and D, of course, have the eat people thing. There, they tend to be carrion eaters. Um, they are, and the ghast is like the boss ghoul. He's like the tougher ghoul. He has a stink, a stench power. In the old school, he had a stinking cloud kind of emanating from you at all times. Paralysis was their most dangerous power. Though in AD and D, elves for some reason were immune to paralysis. That was weird. well. In first ghoul. edition, in first edition, the ghoul didn't paralyze him, but the ghast does. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I did not see that. Um, uh, but I thought I think the ghouls add so much. I love those creatures, but they are—they're a lower hit dice monster. That especially in certain versions of D anD D, you better be really careful bringing those in against players. Don't here. they get three attacks around? They do in standard D anD D. That is correct. That's and, very deadly for a low level yeah, party, especially if each attack can carry that paralyzing. Yeah, and it can. I mean, I remember, you know, yeah, three saves around if I hit you, and I know that. Um, and, and I think that's even dangerous. I would say it's dangerous to even mid-level characters because if you, if you get hit, if they hit you, now the, the advantage would be mid-level characters, fifth, sixth, seventh level, might be a lot harder for them to hit. But if you had a whole bunch of them, you don't want to be making two and three saves around, dude. I don't care what nope. those are. Although um, I think uh, Cure Light Wounds, a healing spell, from uh, I think in first edition, or it might be old D and D cures the paralysis. Me or old D and D, yeah, that's how yeah. it works. Cure paralysis. Um, that was a very generous interpretation. Um, with ghouls, I mean, I like the idea. The take on a ghoul that would be interesting is what if they were not, and they are smarter than the average undead. I kind of would like to take them down the road of if you've ever seen the TV show Supernatural. Ghouls were. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the monsters they fought. I would love to see a ghoul or a gas be super intelligent and be able to look like a person, and just you know he maybe looks a little paler, um, and you know he uh, because of his you know and he he, he entertains people and, and he eats them when he does, but to be more uh, you know a little more sinister, uh, I would make the ghouls a little more like people and make them a little uh, that at least that would be an alternate take where you couldn't so easily go oh look it's undead. You know, yeah, you kind of you're kind of trading some uh, around different tropes between vampires and them because that's kind of a vampire too. Sure, they sure. eat people. They trick them into thinking that they're just people, and they bite them in the neck when they get a chance. Yeah, and there's a way to get some mileage out of it. Someone goes, "Oh my God, uh, Count uh, 
Count Daverall is a is a vampire because he looks pale. We're going to watch him put up a crucifix or you know put garlic in front of me. He's like, I'm not really a fan of garlic, you know. No, I don't really care for it. Or he, you know, no, I like garlic. Thanks for it. Yeah, thank you. You know, and so it would be a good twist to surprise people, especially low-level characters. You know, you're third level, and I have you meet Count whatever, and your guy's like, holy crap, he, Randy's putting a vampire against us, which back in the day, that wouldn't have been that shocking. Um, uh, you'd be really nervous about dealing with him and would go through a lot of hoops, jump through hoops that may not help you. Let's immerse him in running water, grapple him and throw him in there. Oh, crap, we grappled him. All our fighters have gone paralyzed. <laughs> So right, yeah. I don't. I don't know, Cal. Um, oh crap! I keep getting this thing from Brave. They want to show me ads so I can make more crypto. Anyway, <laughs> Count Chocula should be feared, according to Cal. Of course he should. He just he he's not really interested in anything but eating cereal, though. Uh, oh, that we know of. I like my cereal. So. Yeah. Yeah. Carbs. But yeah, so that's one hundred percent carbs right there. So I think I would say the paralysis and the stinkiness are the more iconic powers. Um, but I think in later editions, I don't think elves kept that immunity to ghoul paralysis. And I don't think Cure Light Wounds kept the ability to heal. You know, all that changes. All those little details change. Um, going back to skeletons and zombies, though. Yeah. You can mush them together a little bit and throw in some special sauce mm -hmm. and make them evil dead. Oh, dig like, it. Yeah, like all the Evil Dead movies? Yeah. I mean, um, this is if you want to have a lot of undead and you don't want to just have skeletons. Or maybe you don't want to have skeletons at all as they're presented. Mm -hmm. So why not give them red glowing eyes and make them intelligent to a degree? Yeah. And and instead of... Because the way skeletons work, it's not, there's no... There's no... It says that evil oh so for the first edition skeletons are made by evil um spellcasters right and they really only exist in areas that have evil but the the monsters themselves the monsters themselves are not they don't possess an alignment they're just animated skeletons and um so they're perfect for a low level uh crew because they don't do a whole lot of damage. They don't really think very much. They just uh, have an opponent and they attack them. They're nearly they're nearly constructs because they're given right. they're given they're more, they'll just stand still and do nothing for the most part. Yeah, I, I grab. They just follow orders. Yeah, some and only simple orders. They only follow simple orders. So, uh, if you want to mix it up and be a little more interesting, throw it into the Evil Dead realm, and they don't have to still. They still don't have to be phenomenally powerful against normal folks yes but against adventurers they can you can still have them range in power from uh, a lowly evil deadite that um can still be taken out by a first level party because essentially um all that ash had to do was blast him in the noggin right yes i, mean, I don't even think he had to get a headshot did he no, have to I, get a headshot i can't remember for sure have. did you know that I just looked. Don't forget, Undead had their uh, immunity to sleep, charm, hold, death magic, poisons, and cold-based spells. Okay. In second edition. In second edition. Right. Yeah, that's so that, yeah. I don't know if that was something in first edition, if they had the, uh, the Undead type and they had all those immunities. Well, I'm kind of doing a, trying to do a quick check here. I'm kind of wondering if that gets brought up. Um, they are sleep, charm, hold, cold-based spells. Yeah. 
in first edition. Um, their speed, their movement was fairly slow, six inches, which would be the equivalent of half of most humanoids. Correct. Less they're in heavy armor, then that changes. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So do you think... Um, yeah, so maybe the especially for addition for D and D, some of those immunities would be important. Uh, you can't charm undead. Um, I've always thought of this. And this is something I use that I've heard some. I actually remember an article in, during third edition heyday that Sean Kane Reynolds wrote that was very much against this. But I think he was against it from a gamist viewpoint. I like to know what you think of this. For a while, since undead were not alive, especially skeletons and zombies, I said you couldn't blind them and they don't really see. I use that, and this is a powerful alternate ability, let them sense the living. I really like that, actually. I think that's a very... Now, short of like... Or even, I mean, you could say maybe vampires can, but if you're undead like a ghoul, maybe not. I don't know, maybe. But skeletons and zombies, I mean, even zombies, after a while, your optic... They just rot. Rots away. You can't literally see. Okay, you see by magic. All right, but... What do you see? I would say you more like you sense the living. That's plus there used to be a spell called protect from undead, and I'd be like, well, that means that you would break their sense of their ability to sense the living, you know, um, and they don't, and they were effectively blind when you're around. Um, but I, I've always thought that was a cool power, though. Sean Riddles thought um, that it was, uh, yeah, way too good, and Cal agrees. Sense living is very powerful. I agree. But it I, is. But I'm kind of okay with that because, to be fair, okay. I'm biased. Be blocked by the same things that block regular vision. Yeah. As in walls, floors, ceilings, right. all that stuff. So if if they sense living, yeah. In but you they would also need to sense stuff that wasn't living, or they wouldn't be able to navigate. Fair enough. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. What problem, if it was, so in the, what what the article brought up that you're referring to yeah. is that you're adding power to the care the the monster, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and it, I think with the skeletons and zombies, if you just allow them to know that living things are around, yeah, then it um it's fine. Yeah. Now if they pinpoint, right, and um like say you're invisible. If you're invisible to most things, they just can't see you unless they have other senses. So you're giving the skeleton and zombie another sense where they can sense you. True. Or you're hiding in shadows where most things would not notice you, but the undead would because they can sense living. So yeah, and, it, and that's the kind of point he was bringing up. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I'm, I mean, I think he's right. It is powerful. Cal says the dead don't just go after worms or gophers, so it's also targeting. Fair enough. I mean, I, I think that's good arguments. But the uh, skeletons and I believe the zombies both were neutral alignment, which is interesting. Right. You don't have like some monsters as some undead are described as having a, a hate on for the living, right? Um, but uh, zombies and skeletons, not so much. They're just neutral. Right, and uh, Legion of Myth says, and I remember this too. There's a specific invisibility to undead spell, right? In two E, and of course, I did as a younger DM would say, because I like that. I would say the invisibility spell didn't protect you from undead. That might just be too good and probably too much trouble for a young wizard who gets invisibility invisibility spell at third level, and he's very excited about. It. And then I hose him with a stupid room full of zombies. He's trying to sneak through because he thinks, oh, they can't see me. But what is the point of invisibility to undead then? 
Right. So the thing is, it's, it's a table issue. So if you at your table, yeah, that this is appropriate for the undead to have, and it works for your table and no one has an issue, especially you as the DM who has made the rule, yeah. then fine. Who cares? And it makes the spell invisibility undead worthwhile. Why else? Why not just cast invisibility? But you, I think you should, if you as a DM are saying that they can sense undead, you need to probably define that some, not just say they can sense it. Sense the living? Sense the living. So yeah. I, there's been DMs that I've played under that they had specters under you know, that are in the floor, and they would just stick their finger through the floor and be able to just well, boop, 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 and take all your levels, and you wouldn't really know what was going on. Yeah, that, while that's cool sounding, it's cheesy. Yeah. So it's cheap. It's a cheap way to go, and you have no chance to defend right. that. So sense them, that's fine. Maybe it defeats un- invisibility and darkness and all that stuff. Yeah. But I think if there's intervening, intervening barriers, that would probably interfere with that. And I think if thinking of them as mostly animated and controlled, they wouldn't attack gophers and worms anyway, unless the master said attack gophers and worms. Right. Well, let's say let's um, anything that comes in this treasure vault, you kill. Right. They might. Right. Kill. Yeah. So if a worm happened to come across, I don't know if it would do anything. It'd be up to the DM to decide that. Yeah. Uh, or gopher or small animal. I would think a skeleton would step right on it. Yeah. Stabletive sword. Um, uh, yeah. So um, I do think that, um, yeah, that's just a side note. The sense living is, yeah, <laughs> I agree with Legion. Yeah, Legion. We, 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 he, the DM was very competitive. Yeah. And um, competitiveness is fine to a point. Uh, this, uh, he says, for those who are listening and not watching, um, the Spectre trick is a GM trying to beat the PCs. Yes, I agree. That's not how the Spectre is meant to act. I think he also was doing it because we were maybe a little tougher than if the Spectres just dr- jumped in the room, we might be able to beat them. So um, that was a way to use them against higher level opponents than normal and still get mileage out of them. Now, that might also be one of the excuses. And, oh, I agree with Shadow. It's kind of dick. But what about this, though? Because I remember there was a module, and I used it once. They had specters or, or a race. And we're getting, we're getting down in Corporal Road. Maybe we'll leave that alone because we're talking about specters. Let's, yeah. So with yeah. The, um, the zombies, we're done with the zombies, I think. And and you want to do whites and asked, um White and vampire. Let's see, whites. Whites are, um, I was thinking you meant Wraith, but that's the oh. incorporeal. The corporeal. Wiggins. Huh? Wiggets. Wiggets. Whites. <laughs> yeah. um, I am drawing a blank to specifically what they are. Okay. I will, you know what, Joe? I'm going to give you a first edition monster manual peek. And just know you're not supposed to be looking at the monster manual player. So... I'm taking a special exception for you. They're human humanoids, human wads, human wads, and they are um, um, has is has lost its old meaning of a person and come to stand for these undead humans who typically inhabit barrow mounds or catacombs, most evil and hateful. Now here's our first undead that's got real hate. The ghouls are hungry. Right? Yeah, white power. Uh, uh, they can destroy any life form they encounter. They shun bright light and hate sunlight. 
Um, they exist simultaneously in the material plane, so they're physical beings, but they have a connection to the negative energy plane, which gives them their most devastating power. Level drain. Yeah. Mid-hit dice, not terribly high-hit dice, though. But it's still level drain, right? Yes. And um, you get hit, you get drained. There's no saving throw. Yes. And if you get dropped to zero levels... You become a white. Correct. Now, we're going to talk about level drain in a second uh, topic tonight, oh. um, and specifically. And just uh, just as a throwback to the ghoul and the gas, they re- they procreate, which is gross, but... Correct. They, Not so the they you bite you, you, you can become paralyzed, and then you can become one of them if you... If you oh, lose all your hit points uh, and they don't completely consume you, yep. you can become one of them. Uh, both the ghoul and the gas do that. The um, ghoul and the gas and the whites are all intelligent, as Mr. Cal pointed out. They are somewhat intelligent. Yeah. Intelligence, yeah. I think whites are smarter than the ghoul and the gas. Yes. Looking at an intelligence. Oh, what are they? Average, 8 to 10. So human intelligence, yeah. Um, I think the ghoul and the gas are a little below, perhaps. Yeah. But uh, and they can only be hit by magical weapons. The whites turn it up a notch, dude. Well, there's there's somewhat they're supernatural. Yeah, so you can't just bring normal stuff to them. You can't throw a white against first level party with no magic weapons or silver weapons. They're they're all gonna die. Right. Plus the first level, they're probably all gonna die anyway. So, but yeah, um, vampires do similar things, so they get a few extra goodies, right? Yeah. So vampires are, um, you know, the Bram Stoker dude. Super genius. Yeah, they're very smart. They can be, and often were depicted as high-level wizards in a lot of in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, though they don't need to be. No. Uh, to be to be feared because they can hit very hard. Their damage is pretty good, and then they drain two levels. Yeah, two levels. Oh yeah, and they could fly. They had tons of powers. Depending on your take, there was a. A few varieties of vampires with D&D, especially when Ravenloft came out. They did the Nosferatu. I don't remember all the changes. But vampires were terrifying because they were smart. They were commanders. They could shape change. They could fly. Um, yeah, they drained two. Beat them down. They beat them down, and then they turn into gas and run away. Correct. And regenerate. Regenerate. Yeah. Get in their dirt, regenerate, and come back and smack you around some. Yeah. So, yeah, there were special ways to kill them. So vampires were pretty – even if they were – Mid, say they're like in second edition, they were eight plus three hit dice as default. Third edition allowed you add, to truly add character levels. Strahd was also an exception in first edition. So vampires were were conceivably quite terrifying. I think you could do lots of stuff with the. Do you still have that book, Joe? You had a book on the mythology of the vampire. Oh, I don't know where that book went. Four or 500 uh, different. Well, vampires across um, space and time, different cultures, different, uh, you know, from back way back in the day to present and then i read this when i was in high school and i i was having vampire nightmares almost every night i was like another vampire another vampire, <laughs> another vampire all right. the time all right. the time right and so i uh, i got in this book club and there's this book on vampires I was like, well let me read this let me see if what will happen and then they went away and there were of course, there was a very different, uh, lots of very different takes on the vampire. Yep. One of them was uh, essentially a hag. Basically, it um, mm-hmm. it jumped on this dude's back and drained the life out of him slowly. Yeah. And the only way to kill it is to 
essentially commit suicide. Whoa. The way he the way he did it was he drove I believe he drove his uh cart. It's in uh you know back in the eighteen hundreds. Sure. Uh, uh a period uh type story. And he drove his cart over the a cliff. Whoa. But instead of letting the thing fly off of him, he grabbed a hold of it and they both died. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was um insidious and had an ability to keep people from they thought it was like a cloak or something when someone looked at him they could if he would tell he and it kept him from telling about it so it, it always stayed hidden yeah uh, shadow and sun uh mentions dragon magazine having good articles on alternate vamps for sure and legion mentioned raven lafia they had all kinds of cool variants uh so that's that's pretty cool um i would say vampires are probably top level and one of the top ones people are fear, afraid of and you should be two levels at a pop would even make a 10th level character go holy crap plus their hit point damage when they hit you i think it was yeah. d12 yeah. something like that it was a lot it was pretty good uh they were strong they were like uh they had exceptional strength i believe yeah i believe there was a dragon i believe it was a dragon magazine article after ravenloft second edition where someone talked about a patriarch vampire and that was one that was so old that he drained four levels of hit. <laughs> yeah, they, suggested, they suggested making Strahd that, and I was like, "Holy balls! He would only be he would only be a, a challenge of very high level characters." But yeah, right. A couple of hits on even a mid level character, and they're they're dust or another vampire. Hello, new vampire. Go beat your buddies. Yeah, and you had to have magic or silver weapons to hurt them. Vampires, and you had a whole ritual you had to do to kill them. It's uh, they're no joke. So, yeah, um, I, I think going down the, the history line would be a great way to kind of mix it up and do some different sorts of vampires, reading your Ravenloft stuff if you got it and seeing some good varieties. Well, and, see, the thing is, though, with vampires, mm-hmm. the only the, the thing that you can do like this was one of the stories in this book, the, the way that this vampire could get away with um, being around the, the daytime. Mm-hmm. Well, one, he used uh, sunscreen. Because it was a more modern tale. Two, he he wore a lot of clothes, and three, he put his grave dirt in his shoes. Right. So Randy had to uh, to um, um, has been pulled away from his computer. So yeah, yes, two levels to hit for vampires is very tough. Shadow. Um, it would be cool to dig up that Dragon Magazine article from uh years ago it'd be cool if i could figure out if someone knew what issue that was that'd be great um so uh legion of myth what book are does that appear in the second edition uh ravenloft hardcover because um he's saying here that vampires and ravenloft had five age categories and if he remembers correctly and that would be cool to cool to research it's uh, it's always good to put a different spin on these monsters because, again, it's something that I think that we've touched on in previous episodes and previous live streams. Uh, players like to memorize the monster books, and you know you do want some continuity. The game has rules, and you you try you want to try to follow them somewhat closely. Although, uh, cool Legion, thank you. Um, you want to uh, have some continuity so that the players know what to expect. You don't want to change everything around. You, they make their characters. You don't just change the spells or whatever on them without telling them. 
but uh, um, mixing up monsters now and again keeps them on their toes because you don't want them memorizing the monster books. They can memorize the player's handbook all they want. Yeah, but the monster book's kind of a, yeah, you got to keep them on their toes. So what was I saying before you took off? I don't remember. Something about vampires. <laughs> um, oh, vampires make good opponents without a whole lot of changes. Yes. They aren't simple. No. They are living, intelligent creatures that can have minions, mm-hmm. and they have lots of different abilities that can keep them, the opponent of the players, outside of just one encounter. Um, and, if, I mean, you don't want necessarily to have the the the, the players turn the corner and there's Dracula. No, no. you got Not really. I mean, it's, uh, okay, so maybe they... They uh, they're going through the dungeon, whatever it is. Oh, thank you, Legion. Uh, Van Richten's Guide to Vampires: Seven Age Categories. Wow, that's oh, cool. boy. yeah, and that's the second edition book, right? So yeah. that'd be cool to get. Uh, hopefully, it's not too expensive on eBay. <laughs> oh, Fledgling the Patriarch. Okay, so maybe that's, that's what. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, but vampires. Um, you can use them on uh, multiple, especially if you just add a few character levels to them. Or, or you don't even have to. You don't really even have to do that. You can say that they are wizards, right? And then just write down what spells they cast. You don't have to give them wizard levels. They have plenty of uh, punch already. Yeah. <laughs> Some little parrot cat Willow. This yeah. is our mostly main coon. She's probably going to turn that light out. And if you are Randy, <laughs> you will have them use a great sword and still drain your levels through the great sword. Yes, because that's that's fun. <laughs> better yet give a vampire with a long sword let him have a life draining long sword and he attacks with both his hand and his sword that yeah way. yeah yeah that sounds great and give you, them ne- you never miss out on the fun yeah and they get two attacks around correct so there you go yeah so fun times i'm pretty sure they get two from their base um powers if i'm remembering right well anyway in in the originals i'm not sure if in if in uh second edition here's the monstrous manuel but yeah they're com- they're complex opponents so no one should take them lightly even a decently high level pa- a party uh, they- they can, yeah they could turn a high level party into a low level party pretty fast one attack according to the rules oh okay I thought- but they did a d6 plus four so it was not bad i i don't remember them just getting one attack you know i may have misread it back in the day <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dude, I love vampires. But, but still, it's it's good to have some variety for p- people who can't help memorizing or just remembering. Yeah, Once you've yeah. fought, fought a few vampires, if as a player, you know what they can do. Same control issue, right? And if the van- yeah, and if this if the vampires have the same weaknesses as traditional vampires do from lore that we know outside of the game, then they're not. Then um, it's a simple matter to take them out just going with the way they did it in Bram Stoker. I mean, it wasn't necessarily exactly simple for them. They had to chase him and uh, get uh, make him uh, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, in the books, they had to destroy all of his um, his, his caskets that yes. he had outside of his home. Right. And they drove him back to his, um, his home. And then they beat him there and destroyed all the caskets there. Yes. And so... It wasn't exactly simple, but they, knowing what they, they, um, Van Helsing found out about uh, the vampire vampires. Yeah, apparently, 
there was six or eight of them, maybe ten of them, maybe more, trying to defeat him. I mean, people in that book, the cowboy guys, and yeah, yeah, they had a they had a crew, and uh, with him and and them, it was uh, not really depicted as being easy, right? But it was straightforward. Yes, yes. Okay, but mummies, I think they're best known for their uh, deadly rotting disease. Oh boy, do you become a mummy or do you just rot to death? Uh, you get the rotting disease, and you had to you you could slowly you could slowly did you turn into a mummy? That's a good question. Or does it turn you into something else? Yeah. Or does it just rot you to death? I'm trying. I feel like I feel like you just died. Oh yeah, Shadow and Sons bringing up something. Um, here, I think he is. Let me read it. Shadow and Sons says the right magic items are enough to change the vamps in question. Just like an evil wizard, what he has or knows can make them very different. But clerics. One of the, I think, one of the bad things about AD and D and early D and D, ODD, was it didn't take a high level cleric to turn a vampire. Right. Um, yeah. And you, once you hit like ninth, tenth, eleventh level, you could dust a vampire pretty easy. I'm still here. So, right, and uh, I really, I think that I think that they should bump that up. Uh, anybody who remakes that turntable, they should severely bump, especially the more interesting ones like a vampire. It shouldn't be that easy. Maybe instead of um, maybe turning them may not be that hard, but definitely the automatic death or automatic um, destruction, yeah. whatever, that's stupid. It's it's very low level. It's not that high. I don't even think no. it's double digits. Yeah, the, the the turning power in general, I'm not a fan of. We should talk about that a little bit too. I think, but we'll get to that in a minute. Turning is, uh, I'll make a note because turning is a, it's a weird mechanic that I'm not a huge fan of. So, um, yeah, but the the mummy had a cool power, as Max said. Um, <laughs> listen to this: uh, you lose in the old school, you'd lose two points of charisma every time you failed to save against the rot. Oh boy, permanently. Apparently. And when if you died, you could not be raised from the dead. You could if they got to you within six rounds, casting cure disease first, then raise dead. If you didn't do it in that order, you would not come back from the dead. Oh boy! And they punish. But it just kills you. It kills you. You don't get. You don't become something. No, you just except don't. a corpse. A corpse. Corpse. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but there were lesser zombies and mummy lords later on. They got even worse. So, but yeah, yeah. the rotting disease was iconic. The damage was ridiculous. Um, not ridiculous. It was, it was Nobody wanted, as soon as it was a mummy, you were like, okay, are we going to run? Yeah, or is the cleric going to turn them? Um, oh, Shadow says vamps could also be clerics. Yeah, of course. I would say vampires could be any class they wanted. They're intelligent. If you yeah. can find, if you had a a, a, um, a a deity that would accept them as a cleric, sure. And I would say the same for mummies. Why couldn't they be any kind of class? Well. Any kind of intelligent undead. What about uh, what's my, who's it uh, in the Mummy movie? Oh yeah, Emotep. Emotep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he uh, wasn't he a priest of somebody? Yeah, I think he was. He was the head priest of Osiris or whoever, the god of the dead, whoever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and yeah. he was depicted as. Um, he lost his power in what movie? Which movie? That he, he lost his power and then and mm-hmm. jumped into the into that 
into that uh, crack in the earth with the undead. Was that the first one? No, it was the second one. I don't remember. You might. That was the second one. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, mummies had good resistances too, magical weapons and stuff. They were pretty hard to handle. And um, you can make them more interesting by, uh, I mean, from what I remember, mummies aren't particularly intelligent. Uh, They're just shambling corpses that have extra powers. Well, they I think I think you're you're thinking of the movie mummies. I think the mummies in D and D were actually pretty smart. I just don't remember them being that. Yeah, I often use them as brutes. Um, their intelligence. Well, you're right. It was uh, no. What's a mule? <laughs> their intelligence was low, though. You're low. Correct. So maybe they weren't be good spellcasters, and they wouldn't be good fighters. They but you could you could have something mummified like Imhotep. Mm-hmm. You could always do something like that, make them a little more interesting. And I think it became a template again in three E. You could have a mummified ho- a mummified hill giant. <laughs> so. That's pretty gruesome. Yes, yes, yes. Just no, make all the giants worse. That's what I'm talking about. They, Led by, they hit very hard. Yeah, so we should add mummy rot to it. Oh, just, sure. to make it just to make it fun. Sure, sure. Whatever makes you happy. That makes me happy. It makes Randy very happy. Probably my, These, by the way, folks, are probably my favorite monsters. Right. Uh, historically speaking, Randy loves his undead. Mm-hmm. All Especially right. the lich. Oh, Beautiful, just a beautiful creature. And you don't there and a lich is like a um, it's like a vampire in that mm-hmm. they're intelligent. They can employ um, servants yep. because they're high level and they're high level spellcasters. Yeah. So they they can do all kinds of things, and you really don't have to do a whole lot to them. They have a ton of resistances. A ton. Intelligence on first edition. Intelligence of a lich. Supra genius. Yes. So 21? Is it 21? 18, 19, I think. Oh. Um, and um, his armor class is roughly equivalent to plus one plate and plus one shield. Um, he has the, oh, he's at least an 18th level magic user, meaning cleric or wizard. Oh, Calvinoid. No, no, no. In the first, is that a first edition? First edition. Magic user means magic user. It says of magic. My bad. Liches were formerly ultra powerful magic users or magic user clerics of not less than 18th level of magic okay. use. That's okay. the terminology. Okay. So, D10 and paralyzed opponents who failed their saving throw. So you could be both. They could be both. A lich could be both. What? Yes. You could be a cleric, a cleric magic user. Yes, sir. So it's a, it had a slash there. Not or, not saying oh, or. Slash, slash, mu slash cleric, eighteenth level. Bring it on. It might be that might be or. So might slash. be. No. no. But I know Randy will read that as eighteenth level cleric, eighteenth level magic user. Why not? Fighter, eighteenth level. It won't add to their. It won't add to their challenge at all. And if you're fifth level or lower, the mere sight you flee in panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty boss. Plus one weapons to hit. D ten touch. Completely paralyze your butt if they touch you. Yeah. Oh, what did Cal say there? I missed that. Um, the Shrine of Tomoa Khan, there were various mummies, even a sent. Oh, yeah, cool. That's old school. Well, they messed See, with it. The old school, the old mu- stuff back in second edition and first edition days were interesting and cool. But you know what? To be they fair, they didn't have baristas. Third edition just 
formalized a lot of that crap, mm-hmm. whether you liked it or not. Instead of right. waiting for some, for some, um, oh, dual or multi-class. Hope I don't, whatever's better. I'm just saying he's. My lineage would be whatever's better. He's saying either or probably here. He'd get all of both and be incredibly awesome. Yeah. And Joe would hate him. Yeah. Chatterton's on, but Lich is always spellcasters as such should have lots of magic items and minions. Yeah. They'll be very interesting foes. They'll they'll come at you sideways. Dude, I even like the variant. What were they called in Forgotten Realms? The Bane Lorn? Is that what they were called? Yeah. Or were they called Bale Norns? Bale Norn. Bale Norn. They were like good liches. So um they were basically protectors of the un- protectors of the dead. Uh an elven guy would yes, a lich is rich. <laughs> Well done, Cal. <laughs> and so, but I would say, um, I think that's an interesting concept of a neutral to good lich where he just hides himself in the tombs to pr- to protect the family of elves, their corpses, not to become a, and it was like an honor to have to do that. They weren't seeking greater power where liches are like, they put their life force in that phylactery, which they do. Now that's a weakness for a lich. They got that phylactery or what do they call it now in Pathfinder? Soul cage. <laughs> but I mean, so which is, which is, well, it is what it is, but I get it. They did it for stupid reasons. But let's not go down that path. So okay, so path. could you have a, a dame that's not phylactery, that's at least as interesting sounding as phylactery and not as flat and dead as so gauge? Um, well, um, Amulet, charm, fetish, mascot, mojo, periop, talisman. Talisman. <laughs> talisman of the lich. That sounds good. Yeah. Soul cage. <laughs> all right, whatever. But they did it for all the stupid reasons. But yeah, liches were, um, love me some vampires. Liches were number one. Um, love to threat. <laughs> I remember, what was that first? <laughs> yeah. What was that first module where I, I've never seen the word lichen? Oh, yeah. With a fungus that grows inside some caves. And I I told the group, Joe remembers this, I was like, you walk into a cave and you see a butt of uh, uh, just lichens, lichen all over the wall. I didn't pronounce it right. And they're all like, liches all over the wall? How many of them are there? (laughs) You remember that? You guys were like, holy crap, liches. We run. We run. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I think they have so much variety. Um, and of course, they give birth to the Demolich too. Yeah, I, I think death level characters can't it would have a hard time with the Lich. It depends on what level you make him. Uh, some editions allow Liches to be lower level. I know third edition and maybe even fifth edition allows them to be as low as eleventh level. But who likes that? That's no fun. Eighteenth level. If if a Lich is eighteenth level wizard, mm-hmm. and a tenth level party rolls up, Meteor Swarm, they are all dead. <laughs> even yeah. if they make their saving throw, they're probably all dead. I think it'd be more fun for him to toy with them. Sure, sure. Or but to, just wanted to. to yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, but 18th level. I mean, if his goal is to kill them, uh, maybe you roll in, you get the initiative, you put some hurt on him. Uh, maybe you don't. Maybe he's already, maybe he sees you coming from a mile away through his crystal ball. He's got his minions in front. And you're like, yeah, rush to Lich. And then all the whites and vampire fighters are like, nah, not so much. And then next thing you know, he goes, okay. Abidazim's Horde Wilting, my favorite, which doesn't hurt the undead. And change right. life on everybody else. 22d8 damage. And you are welcome. <laughs> so. Yeah, because he, he can have his minions soften you up. 
Yeah, and he doesn't have to worry about them because it's negative energy that's draining right. from you. Yeah. So, is that a second edition spell? That is a Tome of Magic second edition spell. They just call it Horde Wilting in third edition. Right. It's quite Horde. I'll, 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 liches never leave home without Horde Wilting in my campaign. <sighs> okay, question though. You say it's Tome of Magic, but wasn't Tome of Magic kind of a compilation of things? So mm -hmm. it might have appeared el elsewhere, like in uh, Abidalzim's, it might have been in al -Kadim. Uh It was Abidalzim's Horde Wilting initially. That's a good call. I don't know, Joe. Might have been. It would be It would be cool to find out. I think it Tome might was Tome of Magic one of the last second edition books? I don't know. I don't know the, I don't know the timeline on that. Yeah, me neither. All right. But yeah, so Lich is just, I mean, you know, they're basically an undead caster that's got all the time in the world to plan, and he's lived a life already. He survived the the transformation into a Lich. There's so much. Um, yeah, I agree with Darth. 11th level's too weak for a Lich. Yeah, because you have to survive the process. Right, right. And it, um, if I remember correctly... Okay, so Darth says it requires a minimum level of 11 and 3x, but I think higher levels and access to better spells would improve the chance of becoming a lich. A lot of liches gain their, they attain their higher level, caster level, while they're a lich. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and they, would, and they would stay all secret. They're super intelligent. <clears throat> so they're not going to be going out letting them everybody know, hey, look, I'm an undead creature that could be destroyed by finding my phylactery. Because that's a, that's a big weak point. Because you get the phylactery, I believe if you destroy it, isn't he dead dead? Doesn't that kill him? Just destroy, or or if you destroy the phylactery and then defeat him, he stays dead. It's something like that. I can't remember specifically. Yes, off the top of my head. his phylactery is well hidden, and you kill him, his soul goes back into the phylactery, and the next person that comes around, I believe, he can uh, magic jar Joe's favorite spell and take over your body and kill you. Magic jar is one of the is a spell that a DM would well say doesn't exist in their game. It is except. It, yeah. Randy doesn't need to worry about it because none of us are going to do the things that a particularly conniving group of characters might want to do. Right. Like take over town. Right. Which we you could do that. Joe's talked about that a little bit. You could take over a lot of towns. I mean, depending on how the game world is structured, you could create a kingdom just with a magic jar. So there, you get ninth level, you're king. There's a podcast for D&D. &D, spells to watch out for. Yeah, it, you should. Yeah. I think it's a cool spell just the, the reading of it but when you really think about it. the the ramifications of it i mean it's not 100 percent that that's going to happen mm -hmm. but um it's easy to to leave town if things go south if you just prepare a little bit you know what i'm speed reading uh oh by certain conjurations enchantments and a phylactery um i'm trying to see I don't think it says in first edition that destroying the phylactery will kill him. It doesn't in the monster manual. It just says through conjurations, enchantments, and, and a phylactery, he can become a lich. I think Dragon Magazine article expanded on. I remember at one point they created a potion they had to finally drink, and you had to make a save versus poison at minus four or just be dead dead. If you made it, then you very painfully became a lich. I thought that, that wasn't that um, the Death Master? I could Wasn't that in the Death Master I, description? I could be wrong. It could be. I'm not sure. But there, there's been some different articles about becoming a lich, and yep. Death Master was one of the uh, mm -hmm. methods that the DM can have an NPC because it was supposed to be a class for the NPCs, not for the PCs. Yeah, okay, I'll call it. The process for lichdom wasn't a dragon mag. He called that before I did. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. you know, 
with what um, Randy was saying earlier, older versions of the game, uh, even up to first edition, had very short descriptions of things, yep. and um, there were lots of vagaries, and um, that gave a lot of fodder for the Dragon Magazine to have people writing articles about how does this happen. Like, uh, I remember the article, How Heavy Is My Giant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And had a whole table on how you could uh, determine the the weight of a character uh, depending on their strength. Yes. Um, because that you know, you're if you're super strong, that implies you have lots of muscle. And I'm really drawn to that style of description. Less is more. Yeah. So open for the DM, and that would make a player purchasing the monster manual being not such a big deal. Well, right. I know it's this ability and that ability, dude. It just says conjuration, enchantments, and phylacteries. Malich went through a very special uh, process. He has different powers than the one you're reading about. That's just the humdrum standard lich. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so according to Darth, you have to destroy the lich, follow close, followed closely by its phylactery. Otherwise, it can come back or remake its phylactery. I believe that's uh, The true. lich had to be defeated... Had to defeat a vampire for some ingredient. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. He had to have vampire dust or something. I yeah. swear, I'm almost positive. Anybody out there can find the magazine. I'm almost positive they had to drink the potion. I don't think that was a death master. I think the lich had to drink because it was dangerous to become a lich. Very survived. I, I can, I'm remembering part of uh, the death master description. They had, they had to hang themselves. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah, they had to hang themselves. They had to drink a potion and whatnot, but part of it, they had to essentially hang themselves. They had to kill themselves, and then the potion, rely on their potion to do the do the trick for them. Yeah, Joe's talking about um, the Death Master NPC class, which was ridiculous, powerful necromancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just your garden variety lich. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are a lot of monsters that we talk about that, for any particular campaign, should be singular. Yes, you know, or very rare. Like a lich, any particular campaign shouldn't have more than one or two, maybe a, uh, maybe three, depending on how big of a uh, geographical area you're talking about. But a lich is plenty to have in your campaign. Yeah. Do you really want more than one? Uh, so order the stick. Yeah. Uh, the major opponent for them was a lich. Almost the entire run up to a certain yeah. point until they defeated I mean, it was a long, years, yeah. years and years long run where the lich this lich was their their nemesis for you know he wasn't every panel of every strip but he was their nemesis for a quite a long time oh bruce for the win dude that is a sweet sweet whether you like third edition or not that's those libris mortis uh the book of aberrations those are all excellent fodder truth buddy brother truth We're hiring you to defeat this horde flock murder of liches, according to Legion of Myth. Yeah, a horde of liches. Just run. Your, Just your, your campaign world will end up like um, that one where the bad guys win. If you got three liches working together, you can cut a world that's in deep doo-doo. No, you will have a Rolaids module. Ah, that's right. Dude, was it three? Was it three? 
It was three or four liches, yeah, but they weren't quite, they were quote unquote working together, but they were also backbiting each other. You could take advantage of that. That was a crazy little module by Roll Aids. And you could get some wicked crowns in that. Yes, you could. The crowns were powerful. Yeah, the liches, liches unions. The lich union. <laughs> that would be funny. I need to find that. That would be cool to have. What's that? The liches union? That module. Yes, yeah. The Lich Lords. It was called the Lich Lords. The Lich Lords, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because they're the Lords of Liches. You know, they're not just the common garden variety, like we were saying, Lich. They were Lords. Yeah. Book of All Darkness, according to Bruce, had some amazing stuff in it. Only, If only 5th edition could carry the torch instead of being in easy mode to explore pointless SJW stories and barista woes. Yes. Yes, you are correct. Bruce with the win. All right. Oh, hold on, Joe. Hmm? Yeah. Do you see that? Maybe you don't. There it is. That's the Lich Lords. That's um, pretty small. Talking about, yeah, it's pretty small. I don't know how to make it bigger. Does that help? Yeah, but. Yeah. Lich Lords by Brian Sellers. Lynn. Lynn. Lynn Sellers, my bad. Rules. Yeah, there was rules for wishes. Cool rules for wishes. I had this module. Man, I wish I levels 12 to 16. There you're talking. Now you're talking a little bit better. And there was multiple liches. If you fought all of them, you were screwed. But um, yeah, that if was you can get them to fight each other, that would be better. That's the way you should should absolutely go. That's the best move. So anyway, all right. Then, of course, the Death Knight, um, high-level warrior, had to have a magic weapon, they said, usually plus two, um, mostly an anti-paladin, like uh, Shadow and Sun said. They were the liches of the fighter world, except they got power ward kill and, I think, delayed blast fireball. You know, 20 dice fireball, nothing to really worry about once a day. Oh, Cal had that module. Me too, brother. I don't. I got rid of it like a dumb, dumb button. Oh, well. So... Anywho, how much? 30 bucks? That's on eBay? It's on eBay. That's not horrendous. It's a little high, but it's not horrendous. That's actually a pretty long module. That's kind of yeah. Awful. It's probably it's probably not a bad deal considering. Yeah. Now let's see. It's a decent price. Let's see. Sometimes these are misleading, though. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's a reprint, and I don't know if Rolaid stuff is up for reprint on. Probably not, So because you, you're probably looking... Uh, yeah, I used to have that. was a good one. Um, I did get a reprint of uh, Dark Tower, which is a good little module. Dude, that's, one's, whoa. That one's for 70, 71. Mm. Both are buy it now, though, if you want it. Yeah, I mean, look at that. That's tempting. Don't anybody else get it? <laughs> you guys get it this doesn't have now. any details about this. Um, All right, so it could be something. Let's see here. That looks there. like a module. Yeah. It's, it looks like it's in good shape. Dude, that's nice. On eBay? 30 pardon, bucks. Pardon me for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Just a moment, please. <laughs> uh, oh, Mayfair Rollades module. Yeah, make an offer. Randy's about to make an offer to this dude. I shouldn't have showed that to you. Should have kept it secret till I could get it myself. Oh, you want it, dude? I won't see no, it. No, I'm not. I'm joking. There's, I'm Please. not going to be running anybody through it. 
I do remember run, uh, go, being in it back in the day, and it was uh, no fun. I mean, it was fun playing, but it was it was not an easy module to get through. Uh, I'll see if it's there after the podcast. What am I doing? Quit this crap. Let's go. All right. So Death Knight, uh, as I said, high level warrior, sweet powered kill, Lord Soft being the classic example. Yeah, just a sweet little lich fighter guy with awesome powers um, that can pretty much kick the poop out of um, most parties. So um, how many? How many? Uh, what is it supposed to be a challenge for? Whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means. So they said the Death Knight. So here's the second edition uh, picture of the Death Knight. And it looks like he's rolling in at about 12. Woo! Nine hit dice, all 10 sided. Um, number of attacks, one with a plus three bonus. So his plus three sword. They had a roll. He could get any, anything from a long sword plus two to a two handed sword plus three or four. Sword of quickness, dancing, or life stealing. Just roll a d6. He gets one. He had a buttload of powers. Oh, he could use any of the power words, not just kill. That's the one that I love. <laughs> Uh, 20 dice fireball once per day. Um, um, he cannot be turned at all. So you're fighting. Oh, in second edition, magic resistance, 75%. Homie could lay it down, and he was a genius. So Very smart. There you go. So he was bad news. Yes, very bad news. I believe Vecna was the Arc Lich, and I believe Koss was his Death Knight right-hand man. I believe, or van, no, he was a vampire fighter. That's right. Vampire? Vampire hmm. fighter, yeah. So, and he took the hand from an eye from Vecna. And, uh, I need to be the ruler. So, um, anyway, yeah. So there you go. There's an overview. Um, what about um, then? Um, let's let's kind of switch gears here. We're at nine nineteen. We got a lot to cover. Um, how about their ecology? Corporal Undead, how are we going to use them in a campaign, dude? Well, for, as far as ecology, especially the... They hit a lot of this. Um, like skeletons, they don't eat anything. Right. They're That's just right. guardians. They're usually set up as guardians for somebody. Um, or um, you, you rarely just... I suppose you can have them... Well, they're, they're guardians of one thing or another. So a lot of times they're guardians of mausoleums and graveyards and stuff like that. Don't steal pe dead people's stuff. Or skeletons will get you. Yeah. But they don't eat anything. They don't take up all that much space. So I don't think they have much of a consideration in the ecology of your world. But what you can say is um, how could they influence your campaign world? They might be, you might have them as standard guardians for anybody. And you may, you may not have to be evil to have them, though that's how they're listed. What, listed the as evil? Well, they're not. They're not listed as evil, but they're. Uh, it's listed as made by evil people. Yeah. Right. So and so, if in your world you don't have any uh, taboos about disturbing the dead, th that might change. But uh, your standard medieval world would have taboos about that because you don't want uh, graveyards to get disturbed all the time. Just you know, for one reason or another, it's a good taboo to have. Um, yeah. And Letting the dead lie, one way or another. And this would be a good discussion because, like, ghouls could be in danger of eating fresh corpses, so they could they could kind of ruin from underground uh, a cemetery once you went to if you. But then again, no one's going to dig up their loved ones, so you may never know it. They may right. tear up the ground and get to all the fresh corpses. Um, and where do ghouls come from? Yeah, I mean, skeletons. We know where they come from. And zombies, skeletons, zombies in the D and D type worlds, they come from evil 
spellcasters making them. Mm -hmm. uh, ghouls and gas, uh, are they the result of perhaps uh, humans becoming cannibals and then yeah. eventually uh, acquiring an evil supernatural uh, stain on their being and they eventually can become a ghoul? Yeah, I think they're they're um, I think they could be cursed because they had cannibalism or extreme gluttony. Um, yeah, I, th I think um, the zombies and as, Ka as Shadow said, and uh, zombies and uh, skeletons could be used also as foot, foot soldiers, of course. Right. Uh, vampires, of course, and whites. They're the mis they're the really dangerous ones that would probably be more likely things working in the background vampires and liches in the background whites would be the more dangerous type that could probably get 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 a vamp get a group of adventurers called in to deal with them hey we got this creature that's just killing everything we need to take care of it would you go down there in that cave and take care of it right and you know um do you have more than one vampire i was saying liches are powerful enough to probably just have one and i, I i'm pretty i'm pretty uh sold on that idea them being unique no vampires, very... no, vampires no, because vampires create spawn. Yes, right? they do. That's a classic thing. So I feel like vampires are dangerous because they would be, well, well as whites technically can too, but to me, vampires would first like, holy crap, we don't want to get infested with vampires. I mean, a clan of vampires living in Waterdeep, there was a series of modules about that, and I was like, that would be terrifying, having to find a quote-unquote nest of vampires using supernatural language, the movie, the TV series, to hunt them out and have to kill all them, with the danger of you getting turned into it, and there's bunches of them, and you don't know who's who's what. You know, you go out at night, you can't tell what they look like in the darkness, whether they're, you know, if they just fed, they might have flushed cheeks and look like me or you. And if if your uh, game throws all uh, traditional uh, vampire lore to the wind mm -hmm. and they, they're they not scared of sunlight or anything like that, then it can be really tough on the players to suss out a vampire or, or a pile of them. So um, I think it's good to have a set of things that are particular to your, to destroying these things. So you can go with the traditional things with vampires or you could do, adopt new ones, but you should have a thing that can be found out for the players to be able to go and, and destroy these uh, dudes. Um, because I mean, that's unless you just want to make them real tough monsters and not, and, and not have weaknesses for them. You could yeah. do that too. Yeah, so you know, death knights. I could with death knights. I could be down with the idea of one death knight, but I also could be down with an order of knights that turned from the ways of their of their of their god or whoever they followed, and they were cursed. Like in, I think some of the knights of Salamnia were like that back in the pre cataclysm days. I'm not an expert there. Mm, kind of like the Nazgul. Yeah, the Nazgul. So you might have the nine. Right, mm -hmm. the nine death knights. I think I think Demogorgon in one version of D and D had eight death knights leaders that he cre he created that were once he had corrupted that were once good, and he had them turned into um, death knights. 
<laughs> Legion. I can sum up all 15-ish seasons. It is 15, exactly, of Supernatural. We're brothers, man. Brothers stick together. Brothers. True. I still enjoyed it. Even even though they jumped, jumped the shark at season six and seven, they uh, they brought the they left the de- the depths in season eight. They they saved a little face, got a little dumb at times. In the end, wasn't the greatest, but I thought their interaction was pretty pretty great most of the way through. I think they should have stopped at three. I think five when they defeated Lucifer. Oh, five, yeah, five. Yeah. I think that was the best ending point, but no, they had to keep going because it was so popular. But anyway, um, so um, yeah. Uh, liches uh, should and vampires, maybe not so much, but still there should be a, a uniqueness to the vampires that you can grab onto and use to help defeat them. Uh, and you could have one vampire of each type. You'd have the classic vampire. You have your hag that latches on, the one that walks the daywalker. You could have a handful of vampires in your world, but they all are very different. You could have a necropolis, right? Oh yeah, city of dead somewhere lost that you you know accidentally happened to find and open the doors of and uh, oops <laughs> and now there's lots of different things um, but um, and have the skeletons and zombies be different and have evil dead you could have all kinds of uh, you can play around with these undead quite a bit oh look at uh, Shadow and Sun he just pulled out a fiend folio reference is that the 13 death knights of Demogorgon Shadow he said there were 13 I thought it was 8 he might be, it might be it, man, what I'm remembering. I don't have the Fiend Folio anymore. So it's actually not that expensive for an older book. You can get it for 20 or 30 bucks on eBay. Right. So I, I think um, if you are someone who likes to uh, flesh out their campaign world mm-hmm. instead of um, starting small and figuring out where people go and then figuring it out on the fly using random table generators gener- generator type things and there are people like that um and i fall closer to that group than the fully fleshed out group but right. if you're going if you plan on undead especially the corporeals that we're talking about and especially vampires and liches and yeah. death knights the real powerful ones right you probably want to figure out some things about them and how they impact your campaign world. Because they're going to, because they're yeah. so, they're too powerful not to. Right. If, they're just, if they're just a creature you're fighting in the next dungeon room, eh, and he has no rhyme or reason, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Why are you hanging around here, Lord Soth? Because I knew you were coming and I wanted to fight eight, seven, 17th level characters. That'd be fun. Um, well, that leads us, I think I'm going to skip the fi- number five there because we, we might bring that in a second. Um, I'm going to slide on down to the alternate takes, if that's okay with you, Joe. Because uh, we talked a lot. Sounds about good. It. So the idea is, you know, most un- most of these undead, um, they're either cursed creatures, magically created from dead bodies, necromancer, spellcaster, animated by a dark spirit, animated by connection to negative energy plane, created by a deity of death, say Orcus. Okay, it was Orcus. Okay, thanks, Shadow. That was 13 Death Knights by Orcus. That was it. Well, and that, that fits in with Orcus. Yeah, or even sometimes some versions of D&D, some creatures, they talk about them, their spirit or soul, their strength of will being so strong, they brought themselves back from the grave like a revenant. Right. Motivated. are like that, too. Yeah. yeah, motivated by revenge or hate. These are, or even love, maybe. So you got all these common takes. Um, I kind of like the alternate takes. I, I wanted to offer some alternate takes. Uh, do you want to take the first one, Joe? 
Yes, undead are a living race from another world who are secretly or not so secretly planning an invasion. Lich leaders, Death Knight commanders, whites are assassins, ghouls are just soldiers and skeletons and zombies are servants of the more powerful. So when you put, this is your idea though, Yeah. Uh, living race, are they actually a race? That was the idea. So they come from a place, maybe a place um, that's in, maybe they're in the negative material plane. I mean, again, we got to, we got to, so my idea is what if we rejigger the idea of what the undead are? So okay. what if, and if you want me, maybe you have your own, do you have your own alternate takes besides mine? No, but I can segue this into um, actually uh, RPG pundit has his, um, what's it called? Uh, World of the Last Sun. Yeah. And in that, there is a country run by undead. Mm -hmm. And they carry on as if they were the living. Right. They have um, kings and sheriffs and uh, rebels, undead who are rebels. Mm -hmm. And they they have um, uh, the living are their food. So... uh, but you can get captured there and treated well until they, you know, kill you and eat you. So sometimes and then you, they have humans there that um, that are their advocates because they haven't killed them yet. So you can have a um, but, yeah, they can come from there. Let's say in their world, they they are uh, a race of beings. Yep. You can they seem undead to us, to right. the living, to people from the prime world. But from right. their world, from their point of view, they're just as living as anything else. Yeah. So and maybe they here, they just have that negative They're They have a negative as negative energy aspect to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. I don't want to change their abilities. I just right. want them, their perspective would be very different. Maybe they have a lich, a lich Lord master who's planning to overtake the whole world, or maybe he wants to get a kingdom so he can become part of the, part of the body politic in the world or in the kingdom. He doesn't necessarily want to, you know, kill everybody they'll kill him a lot's fun but he'd like to be a ruler and so he maybe first sends out his few you know few set of ghouls uh for their uh what, what did i say ghouls are just soldiers maybe whites as assassins to kill certain leaders he wants to take this one down over and when he gets when he kills everybody in undead rule he's like look i want to be part of the of the union right i want to be one of the countries in the union we're just here to do what we do you know we don't have to have a big war and stuff like that so um I think uh, I think that could be a, a nice surprise take, you know, that the liches that that the vampire that the vampires the undead are not trying to be kill everyone. They just want their place at the table. Right. Right. So yeah. Which you know, people would be opposed to that. Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Or like you said, you could have a world where it's already been done. Yeah. And maybe you want and to just that just don't go there. Right. Right. Yeah. Another. Take was uh, think of undead purely as constructs created for purpose in a society where there's no respect for the dead. So when you die, you're just a corpse, dude. I mean, it don't mean you're a resource. You're a resource. So you can create skeletons and zombies as soldiers, maybe police. Uh, ghouls could be, I had them as garbage monsters. So they maybe ghouls not only eat dead flesh of any sort, and maybe they can eat garbage so they can take the place of the Adiug. Right. right. And so they clean up towns and stuff. And then uh, death knights could be commanders of, of, of armies of undead, maybe, or other people. Vampires could be stealthy assassins. I mean, you could do things like that. Liches could be powerful advisors to the king. Right. I mean, you know, uh, that would be an interesting take. And they're created by magic users and clerics using magic. 
and they and they and their sentience is more of a maybe more of an AI type intelligence, right? Not so much a true true sentience, right? I don't know how you would uh, how you would uh, make that work in uh, in the game because they would still appear to be intelligent. Whether whether it would be, or you're just saying it's not born of some malevolent energy. It's no. just born of their construct. Yeah, maybe even take away their connection, true connection to the negative um, um, material plane, so that what they do is they just, you know, they're, they're a construct, so they don't need that connection. Or maybe it's the negative energy plane that keeps them, quote unquote, moving. The wizards and the clerics say, oh, this will be a way to power them because their flesh is dead. We have to power them with the anti, anti-life equation, you know? And so it would be more constructive. They don't have a lot of, none of them have their own true free will though. You could always have, what if the one lich we made gets his own AI, like uh, terminator. What's that called? What's become that? self-aware, become self-aware and then you're in trouble. Right. So you can approach it that way. Um, uh, granted it may not to the characters seem all that different, but once they discover that's what was going on, maybe it would be an interesting take, especially if you're, if you decided not to have them, drain levels at all or be connected to the negative and material plane at all. So mm. true, true constructs, you know, for, there you go. Shadow and sons, Frankenstein would be perfect. Right. right? Well, but he's self-aware. Oh, Frankenstein true. is self-aware. But his idea, the idea of building these creatures come from body parts or a body and you animate them through magic, not so much through, or even through technology, maybe it depends on your campaign world, I guess. Okay, so how about you leave that vague? Sure. The what does what does the what juice it is, whether it's positive or negative or something else. Yeah. So it could even be an honor. So in Egyptian mythology, um, great um, burial rituals were carried out so that you had a smooth transi- transition from to here, from here to the hereafter. So gold and all this stuff, uh, your, your pets were mummified, perhaps your, your, um, your wives or your husbands or whatever, family members were all mummified together. Um, guardians were placed there, uh, all this stuff. Perhaps mm-hmm. you put a spin on that and say, you as an honored living person, when you die, you become an honored guardian. And yeah. perhaps you retain your intelligence from your previous life. And you feel honored to be, um, to have your life extended into unlife, mm-hmm. but it's for guardian purposes. So you guard the, the uh, community and you, Maybe you're not necessarily a policeman so that you don't get real close contact, but maybe you do. Who knows? That's kind of a take of the Bailnorn, right? More where it's an, it's an honor-bound thing. And so your skeletons and zombies might be commoners where your where your um, whites and vampires are, or whites and maybe ghouls would be higher-level warrior types. Right. So Farmer Joe yep. can't afford, uh, can't afford uh, a full-blown thing, so... His son dies in a farming accident, so he has the corpse, uh, um, rege- uh, re- you know, resurrect not resurrected, but reanimated, so he can help him on the farm because he can't afford for them to go without a farm hand. Oh yeah. So it's not looked at as being evil; it's just looked at as being expedient. 
So, but he got the cut rate version, just got a skeleton instead of, you know, a zombie or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, then the third one that I had, do you want to take that one? Due to the destruction of the deity of death. So, yeah. So if, um, if death dies, then the dead can't move on and they don't die. So they'll fall over and a couple minutes later, they'll stand back up and they're like, what's your problem? I am not dead. I'm, I'm not a zombie. I'm here. Let me have that piece of chicken or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he's got an ax sticking in, in his head. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Uh, no one, no, no one whose body is not completely destroyed is able to stay, to stay dead. Right. Undead rise indiscriminately upon death. And towns and cities have groups of priests or acolytes whose job it is to destroy undead only. So it That's might be a bad thing. Uh, it, you might, instead of um, merely not dying, you become undead. And now you have to, you know, the people. it's left up to those who are left behind to clean up the mess of death not being dead. But if, de if the god of death or whoever ushers folks dead spirits into the afterlife however it works for your campaign world yeah if they're not doing their job would the the dead actually be undead well right i i i don't know um so you but could go either way you could say that just yeah. uh have undead all over the place or you could say people aren't dying again leave it no explanation i would just yeah people aren't dying or i like the idea of they both could be fun so there's no undead, but I like people are dying. I would use motivations like your actions in life. So if you're a glutton, you become a ghoul. Mm. If you are if you are a leech on somebody, maybe you become a white. If you were someone that was always stealing money or needing money or needing this. And maybe if you were a power hungry wizard, you become a lich. Right. right. So what would happen is I think these these group of acolytes or, or adventuring groups would be needed. They would be needed. There would be a call. Dude, we need this all the time. And it could be that they you know, people are always worried about people getting sick. If you're sick, you're quarantined. Bring it to combination. You know, sick, like deathly sick. And like you need to be, and the priest comes in and go, well, he's not recovering. We need to burn his body. And maybe you have to burn it or incinerate it. So there would be a job for pretty tough characters. Yeah. It wouldn't be a job for just swords and stuff. I guess you can chop it into pieces and then it would be twitching all the time. wouldn't be truly dead. That could be uh, a tough it would be It would be gruesome. Someone would have to. So... That would just have that could be a campaign issue that you might you might have want the characters to resolve. True, you might start that at a, that might be a higher level campaign. Yeah, start at mid level, and you guys got to fix this because everything's going crazy. We're getting Day of the Dead or Walking Dead everywhere we turn. You know, there's this real danger of an undead apocalypse, right? Um, kind of like our Elysium campaign right at CabinCon for many years. There truly was an undead apocalypse, though we didn't feel the heat because of conceits of the game. Right. So, um, you got any other ideas at the top of your head you think would be cool for taking a little twist on the undead? Well, it, it would be twisting it from the D and D um, paradigm. Sure. So I would throw, like I said earlier, I would throw Evil Dead. I would just twist the zombies and skeletons into the Evil Dead type of thing, yeah. where they are somewhat intelligent and are hungry to kill the uh the living so they're not just guardians they come after you and uh zombies do but they're still they're still they're still guardians they're not necessarily motivated not really 
Oh, but, Darth, has, Darth has a good question there under my last example. What about a priest of a good God that dies? What would it become? Well, depending on this funeral rites, maybe maybe it would become, since it, it can't pass on, it stays back and becomes an undead sort of thing, maybe it would become a Baelmorn. Or perhaps none of that matters. So yeah. when you die, yeah. your soul departs but doesn't go anywhere. Right. But your body's still there. Yeah. And it could animate and just be a skeleton or zombie. Or right. maybe an evil spirit could inhabit it. Right. So it doesn't matter whether you're good or evil. So there's no one guarding the, the way. So they souls go kind of wander back and forth. Yeah. And so the good guy the good soul takes off and somebody will go, Ooh, look, that body's open. I'm yeah. Down. But um I don't know about the last two. It says I I wrote a I think I've changed things around a little bit. If we, I don't want to rank the undead today, um, though, of course, for me, you would know I'd put them way at the top of the list. You know, I mean, they would be, they might be, my, they might end up being my number one creature. Well, undead make the top 10. I think easily. easily. So, I mean, we're going to discuss several monsters. Yeah. And what we, instead of saying undead make the top 10, you might need to pick one. Yeah, and well, we have to decide the, the design of our poll. Right now, you know, I'll just mention this to everybody else, and it could change drastically. I'm thinking a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being low, 10 being high. I may lower that. I find a smaller window is easier. To, you know, how do you just differentiate a 7 and 8? You might can differentiate between a 4 and a 5 easier. And so we're, I'm thinking on their utility, um, you know, how, how useful they are in a campaign, their iconic quality. When you think fantasy D&D or, or RPGs, this creature is way up there, uniqueness. You know, again, we've got to be careful because a lot of these creatures we're all very familiar with. But if you can take yourself back to when you first saw them, did they blow you away with their uniqueness? And maybe do they inspire you? What 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 creature? So that's going to be some of the qualities we're thinking about. You're, we hope you guys will participate. Anybody that goes to the website, or I think that's where Joe's going to put it. Well, the yeah. poll will probably exist on, on a couple of different uh, social media platforms. And then the data, and what so data... And what data will we get will be collated some kind of way. Right. So Legion has an answer for you about oh. the Purr. The Purr is a heroic character that dies and basically becomes an Outer Plains paladin. I'll look it up when I have time. Like, oh, okay. A Purr. Was that a... Okay, is that a second edition monster? I may remember that. I'm not sure. Okay. Not it's sure. Very, it is very vaguely... Yeah, I don't know. ...in there. I know there was such thing as a, uh, what do they call them? Uh, not a plaintiff. What was the word they used in Sigil in the outer plane? Petitioner. Petitioners, yeah. Petitioner, yeah. Petitioner, yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about with the undead? Or do you feel like we've uh, handled the corporal ones fairly well? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think we did all right. Um, if folks want us to do a slightly different way of doing these things, maybe more useful to them. If this has been useful, it'd be nice to hear one yeah. way or the other. I would like for these to be useful, not just yammering what we like about monsters. Yeah. And we kind of, cause we kind of have done that and I don't know. We'll see, see what the folks think. So don't be afraid to comment or send us emails or, you know, give us a call or whatever. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. Um, it is 9.44. Do we want to do segment three, Level Drain? It won't take long. Okay. So our third segment, right, is uh, about... Level, level Drain, yes or no? Oh, yeah. 
and what do we want to do with level drain? So effects that take away experience levels, are there any other games besides D&D that does something like this? For example, uh, removes character advancement from a PC after a monster attack. Right. So always level drain. <laughs> Bruce says do the level drain. Do it. Do it. I do, baby. It, does, it is a very distinctly D&D way of handling things. Yes. I don't know. I think other, other uh, from what I remember, other games just have them do damage. Yeah, or paralyze you or do things like that. Um, I do think the level drain, while it makes undead some of the undead very terrifying, and I used to love it back then. You know I love to drain your levels. Give you five levels, take away ten. Um, but I do think it oh Max says it's a bad idea. Um, it might be. It's just because it's I um it is peculiarly D and D doesn't make it good. Correct. I think I think part of it is in a three point X or Pathfinder game, if you permanently if you do permanently lose lose a level, you have to remember how many skill ranks you put into a particular skill and you gotta remove it. You got to I mean, do you have to remember um um, do you have to remember um, how many hit points you rolled? Oh, Legion. I've yeah, people get more upset about level drain than getting killed. They do. Um, um, my first response to that is wang. Yeah. Because it's in the game. But my second response is, yeah, I kind of get it. Um, but uh, I know, again, our buddy... Uh, John at RDD did a podcast several months back where he talked about removing level drain with um, switching out with stat stat drain stat drains. Which they did that they did that also in third edition. They had yeah. ability damage and ability drain. Ability damage was easier to heal. Um, level drain is can be challenging. I think didn't three point X or Pathfinder make it easy during play where you just took minus you got a negative level. level. A negative level, negative level essentially means you lost your highest level spell slot point. for spell casting, and you got a penalty of one for each for each level drained uh, to your rolls. Essentially, there might be a little bit more to it than that, but that's the essentials. Yeah, but um, Bruce says it's not hard to figure out, but it feels a little tedious at the table, especially if you're getting pimp slapped a few times and you have to make all those changes. And don't you have to go back and readjust? So I guess I'm trying to remember. In Pathfinder, is it that it's temporary level drain and then you get a saving throw at the end? Something There was something like that. Something like it's that. been a while. But second edition D&D, um, oh, level drain in PF, oh. minus one on all rolls, skills and weapons to hit damage, minus five permanent hit points. Did you get a save, though, or is that guaranteed? So if a white hits you, that happens, no save. Sorry about your luck. I felt like there was a saving throw within 24 hours or am I remembering something completely odd? Yeah. Three, um, Darth Theic, it was much easier dealing with level drain in older editions than in three X and up because mainly because of the skill point distribution and then feet and all the extra stuff you got from leveling within older editions, you just lost your level and there's hardly, you usually didn't get a whole lot when you leveled unless you were well, a spellcaster. Well, and I think in third edition three X and Pathfinder, you got a party of eighth level characters, and your character gets knocked down to fourth, and it's permanent. You kind of can't hang with them anymore. You're a liability. Yeah, you can be. Um, Bruce says at the end of the day, you get a level drain saving throw to find it true. 
Right. Uh, okay. And the saving throw would be CR plus 10, fortitude save is how Bruce does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, if I'm a player, do you have issues, Joe, with level tree? If I just ran leveled in straight as written, would you be like, okay, that's how it works? That's usually how I do it. Mm-hmm. This is how level drain works. Let's do it. Um, it sucks. Yep. Level drain sucks. You just can't. Uh, you you can't get around that. But it's iconic for D and I mean, I, I don't know if I go go as far as as Max over at least in a myth saying you can't take it out because then you're not playing D and D. Right. But you know it sucks. And if the DM says, "Yeah, that's how we're doing it," well, that's how we're doing it. And if you if you're fighting a a, a monster and someone gets level drained, you can stay there and keep fighting. Mm-hmm. and hope you can beat it down before it drains another level, or you can re- beat a hasty retreat and try to get away from it so it doesn't drain any more levels. So you got, you've got some... You, you're not locked in necessarily. No. But I do think the old editions felt like, well, you could quickly get... Um, oh, our man said something. Restoration spell could be available... At a cost, either gold or doing a quest at all. Yeah, it can. It can. Um, I think it can be when you get a massive level difference, it didn't matter as much in first edition and second edition, but it does more in third and later on um, when you're doing CR stuff. Yeah, um, but uh, like like Arn Man is saying, though, once you get to a certain level and you have restoration available or lesser restoration, depending yeah. on what version of the game. It, yeah. it blunts the, the severity of the level drain. Right, because even if you fail the save that you get in Pathfinder, you could get still get restoration, right? And and even though it wasn't as prevalent in older editions, uh, I don't think you had lesser restoration. I don't think so. I think you had to get true restoration or whatever it was. And that was the fifth level spell, I think. So something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth, somewhere around there. So it wasn't low for sure. But uh, it was easier... To to um, adventure with a range of leveled characters in old D and D than it is, it's easier to manage in yeah. older versions than it is in later versions because yeah. the, well the expectation is everybody's the same level, right? In the third and third and going forward in right. older, it, you don't have that especially when you look at um, um, multi class. Well, no. When you when you see modules and the level ranges oh. of those modules, yeah. If it's a challenge for that range, then the expectation is you could take parties of that with with characters of that of different strength levels, right? Our man says it was a seventh level spell. That's a little okay. tough to come by. Yeah, for a well, clear, yeah. that's their highest level spell slot in the old level, the old game. Yeah, even in old in the old game, I, I remember near the near the end of first edition, I, I was giving saving throws to like mitigate. Like you would lose the levels during the fight, and at the end of the day, you'd make a save to get some of them back. Uh, the worst part about it isn't the end result of the level drain. The worst part about it is the screeching halt you, you get in play while you're figuring things. Yes. So. That's the real the, the issue. The, that's the real problem. Is the how how um, yeah that is the issue, the yeah. halting of the game to figure things. I kind of didn't have that. If no. it was easy to just like that's what the the third edition one was better for um, in the moment. Yeah, because you just got penalties, right? And then you figured out later if you got the 
the permanent drain, and then that affected your character more broadly. Hold so, on, I have a young Psycho Kitty. Yeah. Psycho Kitty. Psycho Kitty. Psycho Kitty. Our little one's running around like a psycho. She's got all the energy. She can jump through my through my secret door. So, oh yeah, I kind of like what Omen else said. I hated I hated level drains. I would rather it affect stats than slowly recover over weeks. I kind of like that idea better as a concept. Um, um, but you got to be careful of that too. But that's not as hard. I mean, if you got a thirteen con, you got to take thirteen level smacks to get to zero. So <laughs> that's a little tougher to die. That's not so bad. Um, yeah, I, th- I think overall I would rate level drain about a five on a scale of one to ten, meaning whether I like it or not. There's time times I don't. There's times I get it. I think I don't like it in general, um, and I would like it to be replaced with something else. Um, Pathfinder manages it, like you said, the 3.x manages it in the moment, but it's hard to adjust for later on, especially if you need a seventh level spell to get them back. Right. That's well, in third edition, you didn't. It's earlier editions where it was higher level, harder yeah. to come by. In third edition, it was a lot easier. Lesser restoration, gotcha. I think it's all you needed to do. If I think lesser restoration helped you out with the temporary level. Yes before it became permanent. Once it became permanent, I think you needed the higher level spell. Right. If I remember correctly. I think it was level five and lesser was level two or something. Yeah. So it's, it's a pain it's, but it's iconic to D and D and you remove it and you remove some of the distinctness of D and D from your table. Yeah. Uh, But I think it can be replaced with a different thing and still feel similar enough. But not also now back to the old editions of the turning tables. Talk a little bit about turning undead. If you allow that kind of turn undead, then it almost becomes moot because the clerics stupidly get to where we talked about before, where they can turn undead with ease. Yeah. Um, that's true. That's true. So all these things kind of, and that's the thing for me, mm-hmm. when someone talks about game design, mm-hmm. And you look back at first edition or older editions and you see level drain mm-hmm. plus turn undead plus spells and other effects that take away that. Mm-hmm. I I often wonder how designed that was versus not. This is something, a phrase that I've used in the past, whether how much of it is design versus innovation. So we, we're doing level drain and clerics they get the these things they can do and here's some magic items and when this is all innovations that are uh to to one degree or another independent but also connected a little bit Mm -hmm. how intentional were those things all created when they were done i think did they think about turning undead being easy because the undead were so deadly yeah or is it just they said well you know from our estimation um, a cleric that holds up a cross who's faithful should be able to destroy a vampire or at least make him run. Right. So we'll make it fairly easy as long as you have one that has those things and can do it. Right. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to know looking at it now and wondering how intentional or how unintentional those things were made when they made those different things. I think Max said a couple of steps up. A lot of folks are chiming in with the details on things. I think uh, undead should be scary, and I do agree. That's a couple of steps up. But um, yes, yeah, yes, uh, yes, undead should be scary, one way yeah. or the other. 
So maybe you can even if but losing ability scores would also be scary, especially if you keep it permanent and it's really hard to get back. Um, a lot of good ideas there in the chat. Um, Omen Owl says at 955, you could also make it so statistic drain continues to occur until they kill off the undead. I thought about that too. So while the undead's alive, you can't get your level back or your even your stat back, either one. Or what he's saying, it just it could be. You, you lose whatever, a point of strength, let's say. Yep. And until that thing that caused that initial drain is dead, you keep losing strength. Ooh. That's what, I think that's what he's saying. I would be dead. But the, but the truth is, it's probably going to be... The, probably, the party's probably going to stay and try to fight it until it's dead. Or or at least if they run, I guess they could theoretically run, but probably going to fight till it's dead. And if you lose a few strength or con points, you're like, hey, dudes, we need to kill this dude. But right. again, vampires being turning into gaseous form, he can escape. And yeah. you'd be like, oh crap, I'm still losing. That would be deadly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Turn undead bothers me a little. Um, I, of all the turn undead types that I've seen, I probably like damage dealing the best. Um, I do think it should be harder. I, I don't care if it is. It should Here's be another wrinkle in all this, though. Yeah. A lot of people don't like playing clerics. So you could always say, yeah, vampires are deadly. But all you had to do was have a cleric in the party. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's Just true. A, good, a good cleric. Yep. In the Patriarch party. vampires do drain four levels, so I don't know what to tell you. You should have had a cleric. Nobody wanted to play a cleric. It's your your guy's fault. Bad move. Yeah. Bad move. Yeah. So there's a lot of different wrinkles in all that. Yeah, there is. That's a that's a difficult. That's a interesting mix. Where, where do you land in general? Would you Would you like it if there was no level level drain? Would you prefer that? As long as the undead were scary, like Max was saying. Sorry, yikes! Throwing stuff. I am. Um, I've been loud tonight, guys. Sorry. Yeah, as long as um, the undead are scary, and they're not. And they're distinct from other monsters in their scariness, then I'd be fine with whatever is done. But sure. you don't have to have level drain. You could have other things. Um, when a vampire sucks the blood out of you, it's slowly making you its the thing. So and making you weak. So not necessarily a level drain weak, but it could be draining strength. It could be taking away your hit points that you don't get all the way back. You could have permanent hit point loss. There's all kinds of ways to simulate the scariness, and then uh, you, in, in addition to that, if it's turning you, oh, here's something that I was uh, that I thought of that I didn't say earlier. Yeah, I'll say it after I finish this thought. Mm -hmm. um, there are ways to simulate what happens from a vampire bite in ways other than level drain that still are scary, yeah. like strength drain, like the shadow, like mm -hmm. Legion had said earlier in his yeah. response in the chat. Shadows drain strength, and that's scary because uh, eventually you can't move and you become a shadow. Yeah. But um, when um, ghouls and ghasts um, cre um, create their progeny, mm -hmm. it just happens. Mm -hmm. You lose all your hit points, and then you have a chance of you have a chance of coming back as a ghoul. Right. When a vampire drains, do they choose to make a vampire, a new vampire, or does it just happen? Um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I got the second edition book. That's where I'm looking. So it might be. Um, does it say may create? 
Any human or humanoid creature slain by life energy drain of a vampire is doomed to become a vampire themselves. Okay, so they have no choice. And I believe they are under that other vampire's control, at least for a while. Okay. Some vampire lore gives them the option of making or just killing. Right. Yeah. So I was curious. Anyway, yeah. yeah. And that could be a wrinkle you could put in there. He yeah. could be a vampire because he didn't want you to be one. He just killed yeah. you. I like the I like Cal's comment there at nine fifty seven. Um, uh, he said, uh, "I like when oh. a little bit. I'm just before Omen now. I like when the vampire defeats the cleric and crushes his holy symbol. Yeah, that's fun times. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that in movies though. It's really sad. Yeah, evil has all the power, and the cleric doesn't have any. The yeah. faithful person doesn't have any. Um, True. That's why I, that's one of the things I liked about Fright Night. Yes. It made it really and it, it made it you could feel it when the guy was just, you know, pretending to be a vampire hunter. You gotta have faith for that to work on me. That was a great line. Yeah. It's awesome. And then when the kid actually did, he yes. did the story. Yeah, and he was like <gasps> And then in comes this ghoul guy who the different take on a ghoul, protector. Kick, yeah, kick that dude's face in. <laughs> yeah, crack. You can't. You can't turn my vampire. Mask. Faith doesn't work on him. Yeah, I don't faith. Care. No faith doesn't matter. He's. I'm a construct. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, are we we done here? I think. I think done. we're done here. Anything from the peanut gallery here? Oh, I mean chat. Sorry, I had to say it. Oh, Cal says uh, Aaron the Bedanic is doing a react show to Professor DM's recent video. Is that the one in regards to Pathfinder running up making a 5e game? Uh, react? I don't know. I gotta look at it. I like to watch Professor DM, but sometimes I get tired of his stuff. And uh, Aaron's pretty good. Aaron's fairly enjoyable. Sometimes, you know, we don't always agree on stuff, but he's a pretty good cat. I don't have too yeah. many issues. I don't have any real he, issues. He has that. a recent uh, Twitter post about the. Um, D&D consent form where he uh, marks out all the relationship stuff stuff yeah. that I stuff that we want to have in our group oh, relationship with this person that person no no let's mark all that stuff out and right. then all the stuff that evil people would do yeah. like kidnapping and murder and stuff like that let's have all that stuff <laughs> so you should see it it was pretty cool I may I may um, let me try to link to it sure. and show it to you it's it's good stuff oh. Anyway, yeah, I think that's. I think we are done. Yeah. Thank you to the chat room for oh, folks yeah, being yeah. here and providing us with extra stuff to talk about. We really appreciate that. Oh, uh, Cal says it was something about Critical Role. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, Critical Role. Right. Um, <laughs> so, that's nothing against you, Cal. I'm just Critical Role makes me tired. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm already old, so it's pretty easy. No, it's no good for me. Anyway, if you would like to support our show, please visit the many places you can find us on the interwebs, including our website, which I it is sorely in need of love. Yes. Um, click on the support tab for ways you can support us and show us your love um, with your money or other things like uh, sharing us and all that other good stuff. We're on Twitter. And Facebook and MeWe, Odyssey, all we're in lots of different uh, places. Also on um, what is it called? Gloat, which is new, fairly new. They just went through a revision. What's it called? Gloat. Float with an F, as oh. if F L O T E. 
Um, I can't remember if I made that account my name or the channel or because I can't remember. Anyway, we're also obviously on YouTube Mm -hmm. and Odyssey. Our email is the geeks at biggestgeekestpodcast.com. If you have any questions or suggestions, um, also, you can share the show with your friends and let us know if there's another any other way we can support you out there in the socials. Yes. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate us in all the places that you find us. Yep. Anything else, Mr. Randy? I think I'm good, man. It's 10 o'clock. I'm turning into a pumpkin. All right. This is Joe. And I'm Randy. And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us. Good night.